fight. Three, two, one. Welcome to Arcade Attack. <laughs> A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Sonic Boom! Big Bad Geek! Welcome, viewers and listeners, back to the Arcade Attack podcast. I've got another super show. Another super guest on today's show, I should say, I've got Joe F. Kane. Joe Kane, the Sega and Atari legend. Um, you were with us before, Joe, I think, with our Sega testing pod. Yeah, it was very popular. Right. Thank you for your time, that. And I oh, think you also pleasure, shared, a, yeah, it was really good fun. It was actually really popular, actually. And we, all, awesome. we also, um, you also shared a few thoughts on uh, the Michael Latham tribute podcast as well. If you, mm, that's right. Correct. Um, before we talk about your, this is a great chance to get to know you a bit more sort of uh, intimately, a bit more personally, like one on one. Firstly, you've got your love, if, if YouTube viewers see already, but if, your, your name says Joe Effing Kane. <laughs> Are you happy to briefly explain where that name it, originated from? Yeah, it's kind of a funny. So, um, <laughs> we're. We keep we're bumping into a lot of Michael Latham stuff. Um, so there was a there was a forum uh, years ago. It was a game industry forum online. It was called uh, FatBabies.com, and I don't know if you're familiar with Fat Babies at all. But it was basically like an open. So this is like you know pre Facebook. Um, I'm I'm thinking like late '90s forum where it was just anything goes, and people could be you know they could be. Um, uh, uh, anonymous if they wanted to be, or they could, you know, put their actual name out. And at one point in time, I had gotten on there and there was some thread about, you know, people in the industry that you're, you know, uh, have it out for you or something along those lines. And, you know, um, Michael and I had, you know, butted heads over various things. And at that time it was pretty acrimonious. And so I had written something to basically like, here's my, you know, state of the union on what really happened. And when I signed at the end of my uh, uh, big written statement, my diatribe that I'd written, I typed Joe fucking Kane. And I went, <laughs> bam, and I hit enter. And I was like, take that. You know, that was like my, <laughs> that was like my middle finger to the whole situation. But because um, I just wanted people to know it's me. Like, that's yeah. not somebody pretending to be me. That's me saying these things. And you can, you can quote me on that type of deal. So. And it's kind of stuck. Is that right? You, you sort of take that. It has a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I have some username somewhere, um, you know, which is Joe. And I, again, I try to clean it up a little bit for, for certain venues. Um, so I do yeah. Joe E F F I N G Kane. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of fun. I mean, I, I'm a little bit of a, you know, especially in my younger days, I was a little bit of a more bombastic. Yeah. Free, you know, very free to share my opinions with people and, you know, let the chips fall where they may kind of deal. So, um, you know, I've, I think I've mellowed out a little bit like that over time. I definitely <laughs> still have a temper. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. My, my, you know, my lineage, I'm, I'm half Italian, I'm half German. So, okay, you know, it's in, it's in my blood to be a little hot headed, but I try to keep it under, I try to keep it under control, especially around the kids. No, fair enough. Um, so. Just going to tell our listeners now, viewers, that we did a big like said, a podcast on your testing career. So we're not, we're not going to talk too much about, your time sure. initially at Sega, which mm -hmm. we can touch on it very briefly, but yeah, sure. there'll be links in the show notes to go back to that. But one thing I don't think we spoke about 
previously, and we don't want to touch upon it, is Batman Returns. Because as you know, and you very kindly mm. listened to, we, we, we actually had a podcast on Batman Returns. We looked at the movie right. and we looked at three of the games linked to it. And you, you listened to the podcast and you gave some brilliant sort of insight into you were actually involved in testing it. So are you happy to share what you did with Batman Returns, what version you did and go into a bit oh, of detail course. about that? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it was funny because you guys that you had kind of tagged me in the in the in the uh, uh, link to the broadcast. I was like, what is this? So I went and listened to the whole thing. And yeah, so my experience with Batman Returns was basically that. Um, so it came into test, and this was right around the time that uh, the Sega CD was was taking off. Um, I think it was still. I don't know if it launched yet or not, but I think it was close to launching because I think we were testing on um, actual launch hardware. Um, so Batman Returns comes in and it's basically the Batman, Re Batman Returns, uh, Genesis game, right? All the side scrolling levels from that married with this, uh, C uh, CD content, which was the driving levels. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a whole thing about that. Cause the guys that did the driving levels for that ended up going off and doing adventures of Batman and Robin for Genesis. Oh. Those, that, those, so those coders, did the driving sequence for Batman Returns, Sega CD. Then they did that uh, Adventures of Batman Robin, and then they did the CD version of that with those driving sequences, right? So they wow. built that engine. Um, and so when it came to test, it was like, hey, here's this sort of Frankenstein thing where it's like, here's this code from Batman Returns Genesis, and here's the Sega CD code. <laughs> now you guys have to go test this. So, um, so it was like, you know, I'm playing... The side-scrolling stuff, and I'm finding bugs, and people are like, "Yeah, well, it's great. Write those bugs down." But I don't know if we're actually going to be able to do anything about that because whoever coded that wasn't these guys. Um, it was, you know, they they didn't do that Batman Returns base game. So it was like, "Yeah, you can write whatever bugs you want, but I don't know if we're going to fix them." So like, I'm sure there's stuff in there that I found or other people found that's still in that Genesis version uh, that I could potentially recreate. But but then we were testing the driving levels. And so, um, and the thing that was interesting to me about uh, what your podcast was focused on was this whole uh, like licensing thing, and that you know mm -hmm. the characters, which, which characters showed up and which didn't. So, what I recall from uh, when I was testing the game was that uh, at one point in time, the Sega CD version had so there's like a ending when you die. There's like an ending screen with the penguin who shows up, and he like, kind of like zooms out. And he's saying something sinister, like, you know, you, you can't win or whatever he says. <laughs> um, and uh, they had sequences like that also with Catwoman and with Batman. And I can't remember exactly, like, if you're Batman and you're dying, why would you want to hear from yourself? I don't whatever. But there was some reason, the different levels, uh, they would play these different sequences. But Michael Keaton, this was very, very early on in the whole like, um, you know, digital world of, uh, you know, uh, properties going across, not from just a movie screen, but at a television to a video game. And they wouldn't apparently sign off on having their likenesses used wow. for these other platforms. So they had to actually go through and toward the very end, take out those sequences with those two characters because Michael mm -hmm. Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer would not find, would not sign off on allowing their, um, uh, uh, likenesses to be used. So I imagine, can only imagine that that didn't just apply to just the Sega CD version, right? They must have had some sort of, you know, uh, broader contractual uh, situation that said, hey, if you're going to use our likenesses in any other media, you need to get our 
uh, permission to do that. Maybe they just didn't, they just maybe weren't able to get that done in time. Cause you know, the, it, especially anything with like a movie, anything that's like time sensitive, um, you know, you can't wait around real long to get something uh, taken care of because if you pass the window where that thing is now in everybody's yeah. mind and relevant, they may never come back to it. So, you know, some, some, some deadlines you have because they're just, they're just written in stone that way. Like, um, you know, if you're going to do anything with a sports game, you better get it out before the season starts. Um, yeah, you know, or people yeah, are going to be like, I don't want to play, you know, Madden 95 when it's, you know, the freaking Super Bowl or something. So, no. oh, really interesting. Um, are you a fan of the Batman Returns films and the, the games? Themselves? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm, it, it, that's all uh, Tim Burton, right? So, um, I remember yeah. like around that time, like, there was like Batman Returns was kind of. Uh, a big deal um, because it was like, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really a fan of the first one so much. Mm-hmm. I liked Michael Keaton's character, but like, I don't know. I wasn't a like Jack Nicholson Joker guy. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, don't get me wrong. Kim Basinger is beautiful, but I, I just, I wasn't like, I wasn't connecting with the characters in the same way. And then Batman Returns kind of was like, Oh, let's be kind of more, you know, a little bit, maybe they went too campy, but it was more mm-hmm. campy. So it was easier to kind of, it was lighter. It was easier to get into. Um, I remember around that time I had read like a Batman graphic novel, which was really dark, like super, super dark. So I'm like, you've got, you know, like Batman for us in the States starts as comic book Batman. What, like when you're a kid, maybe you yeah, read yeah. a comic book, but from a media standpoint, from watching characters, that was the TV show with Adam West and it's all just complete camp. Right. So you're, yeah, Batman starts out serious. Then he goes camp. Then he goes like, <laughs> sort of serious again, then kind of camp again. Then I'm reading this graphic novel where he's like murdering people. I'm like, what is happening? Wow. Like, you know, and I really like that grittier um, uh, Batman. So, um, and, and again, Batman Returns wasn't that, but it was fun. And that era was very much sort of defined by, you know, there was you know, Tim Burton doing that. He did, uh, you know, Edward Scissorhands was, you know, not terribly far from that. Then, mm. you know, Nightmare Before yeah. Christmas was a huge thing. And that's that same vibe um pretty much so um yeah it was that was there was there was definitely things you know games that went through tests or things we got involved in that were like fun to be involved in because they were like oh this is pop culture this is cool like this is you know i'm into this thing right and then there was times when you get something you'd be like three ninjas kick back what the hell is this (laughs) like like, i don't want to have anything to do with this but yeah well joe that kind of links me in nicely because um MC Hammer from Batman to MC yes. Hammer, two, two oh, yeah. Yes. Um, I, I saw you tweet. I'll, I'll put your, tw- your Twitter account in. Yeah, in you the did. Show Thank notes. you. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, and, and I just want to say that MC Hammer game uh, was in the works at Sega, and I think you were you were testing on it, or you might know some some code into it. Are you happy to sort of spill the beans? Yeah, yeah. So what can I tell you? So okay, so we did definitely have versions in test. Uh, it's a, it was a seg- full on Sega CD game, and there's actually. There is footage out there of people who like it was at a show or something, and there's like a 15 second clip of it. Wow! Um, it was called Hammer. What was it official? I'm trying to remember the official name of the game. I was like Hammer versus Evil D in Soulfire. Wow. So like this was right when he was making because he used to be MC Hammer. Now I grew yeah. up. He's a Bay Area guy, so I grew up in the Bay Area. I'm a 14 year old kid, and my buddy's got mixtapes and whatever, and we're listening to Ham- MC Hammer. I'm like, this guy's amazing, right? And he's a rapper. He's from Oakland, and he's like, you know, the, the Oakland A's Bat Boy who makes it makes it big time. 
And so he was like, he was the coolest guy ever, right? So um, so fast forward five years, six years, I'm in test. And um, this game's coming through. But before we actually even saw that game, he made a visit to the office. Nice. So like, so you probably heard the Michael Jackson story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the MC Hammer story is he comes through the office and to kind of check out. And, they, you know, they just kind of take a spin through the whole department. And he comes by my cube. And I don't even remember. I, I wish I, to God I could remember what game I was testing at the time. <laughs> but he comes by and he's like, he kind of like walks by and he sort of, reverses course a second he kind of looks over he's like oh hey man what are you testing what are you look what are you playing over there i'm like oh blah 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 and he's like he starts to regale me with like these tales of how uh you know oh man i'm a big sega fan and like uh i uh he's like i've been like hours late starting a concert because i'm backstage with my boys playing Genesis, right? Nice. He's like backstage playing football, <laughs> Joe Montana and stuff. And he's like, people are out, like out in the crowd waiting for him to start the concert. And he's like, yeah. nah, man, I'm busy right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like telling me this to my face. Um, That's great. So it was, it was pretty cool, man. I was like, he's like super down to earth. And everything I've understood from him, you know, beyond that, he's just like super down to earth dude. Um, like my friend, Dave Gray, who you know, um, was telling me about a Zynga party that like Hammer had gone, had showed up at. He was, like hammer, like normally people are like asking you to take their camera, right? Yeah, yeah. To take a picture with the with the celebrity. Hammer's handing his phone to people and saying, "Hey, take a picture of me with these people." Like wow. he's like he's like trying to you know be like, "I want this for my you know memories." So I thought that was pretty. Nice. Yeah, that, that was pretty, pretty cool. cool. Um, but yeah, but it was at a weird time. So yeah, because he had gone from being MC Hammer to Hammer, and then people were like, "Oh, he's not." You know, they were already he was already getting you know a lot of uh, uh, critical feedback from other rappers and so, you know, you're, you know, he's just a phony guy or whatever. And I don't know, I can't say, but, but I just know that his popularity had started to wane at that point. And I think that's probably partly, I mean, that game was <laughs> pretty rough shape. Um, you know, sometimes <laughs> well, so it wasn't it? Side scrolling. Beat it was, it was this weird thing. So it was, yeah, it was, just, it was like a side scroller beat him up and he would like, <laughs> he could like walk around but even his walk was like he's like grooving walking, you know. So he's like not even nice. just like normally walking. He's like half dancing as he's moving around, and he could like shoot like fireballs. And there were these like uh, ghost or ghoul characters or something. I can't. They had a name. Mm. They're like these weird spirits, and so he could basically like shoot them with these fireball things to knock them out. And uh, it was yeah, it was just like this progression of side scrolling to so he could nice. go get to Evil D, whoever Evil D was. And then defeat him, and that would then be the end of the game. Now, rumor has it that a former tester, who I shall not name because I don't want him to get uh, his door beaten down, not by Sega Legal, but for people trying to grab hammered, this thing from him. Hammered down, you should say. Yeah, hammered. There you go. <laughs> oh, I missed the pun. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I forgot you're, you're, you're a longer-term dad than I am, so I, your, dad <laughs> yeah. joke, your dad joke game is stronger. Um, yes, hammered him, his door down. Um uh, he apparently has a test uh, a build on set on CD still uh, somewhere in the in the development of this game and there there are there is a website I've seen that has like somebody who worked for the licensing group or uh, the, the whatever the publishing group was going to be who did that game has like assets nice. and has put them on a website so you can see like here's the animation cycle of one of his you know walks or his you know special move or something. You could see those bits and pieces, but to actually see it playing on a unit, um, like a, a actual like Sega CD 
hardware. There is a disc out there somewhere. And I'm, I'm trying to see if I can find it, get a hold of it. That would be amazing. Because, um, I mean, yeah, I, I talked to Dave about it. And, he you know, he has some crazy stuff, too. But we're like, it's it's the history preservation angle of it, right? Yeah, like, yeah, and this yeah. is becoming a real, you know, and, you know, I work for Digital Eclipse. I, you know, I, I not at the same time Frank Cifaldi uh, did, but, you know, uh, he's now doing this video game history um, uh, organization. And I'm, I really appreciate what those guys are doing because, like, Stuff gets lost every single day and you can't get it back. And, um, you know, I have some stuff like, as a matter of fact, I just happened to, I was bringing some stuff for show and tell. I have this right here with me. This cartridge right here, uh, has, um, has a version of gargoyles for the Genesis on it, which is a pre-release version of gargoyles. It was about, it's about, uh, Dave helped me look at the ROM uh, times about eight days prior to the release ROM date. Wow. Um, which so it's pretty close, right? It's not so far off that it's probably not yeah, yeah, yeah. all basically the same gameplay and stuff. But um, but it's like you know, I just so happened to have that left over from yeah, help, yeah. Uh, I helped write a strategy guide for it at the time, and somehow or another never ended up returning it. And then like years later, I was like, the heck is nice, this? Oh crap! Plugged it in. It still works. <laughs> oh nice, right? It's all still there. Um, so it's 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 pretty amazing. But it's like. I hate to see stuff, you know, go to mm. waste or, or just kind of disappear. Um, and it's just too much of it. And there's too much history to, yeah, to, to let go of. So it's so kind of a weird transition to go from hammer to, to history. But, um, but I mean, I, I would like to see that thing preserved. Um, yeah, I, and I would I like agree. to be able to have other people see that and enjoy that because, you know, that's a, that's a piece of history, man. That's like, and it, it it's weird for me to, to have this connection to it. Right. Because and who am I? Right. I'm just some guy who, you know, I grew up loving video games and just so happened to, you know, get into Sega at the time that I did, just so happened to run into all these people that I've run into, make these relationships, keep them over time. And then, mm. you know, you just never know what, you know, what you're going to find sometimes. And somebody has something and they're like, oh, I just picked this thing. What is this? And you're like, oh, my God, it's like it's a prototype thing of something, nice. you know, whatever. It's like it could be anything. So. Um, it's, it's wild. And it's the, the, the fun part of it is, you know, is finding the stuff. It's like, you feel a little like Indiana Jones, you know, but in the, yeah, of, in, course. Of, of the digital, of the digital realm. So a hundred percent. Um, look, Joe, let's, let's talk about, if you don't mind why you kind of left Sega and right. why you, and how you end up at Atari, which I'm really interested to hear about, but were, were you, sure. you were at Sega for a number of years. Is that right? You're doing pretty uh, well in the testing or. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I, so Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, That's all right. So I started at Sega in the uh, September. It was September of 1992, and I I've looked this up on a calendar. I think it was I think it was the Monday. I don't remember the exact date, but I know it was early early September 1992. Um, and I had I you know I had gone and interviewed sometime in August, I guess. Um, and it was it's funny how it came about too because I. I had graduated high school. So this is 1992, 1991. I graduated high school and I didn't really know what the hell I wanted to do. Yeah. And I, um, you know, kind of stumbled into this whole test thing and just again, right place, right time. Right. Interviewed, um, did well enough to interview, uh, get the job started. And then I was there until the fall of 95, uh, which was like right around. Um, so I had started at the time that Sega CD was brand new, and I left right around the time the Saturn was happening. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, thirty two X had 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 about happened, and was actually almost about wrapped up. And then Saturn was on the horizon, 
And um, uh, one of the last games I tested, uh, I think the last game I was a lead tester on was Wild Woody for the Sega CD. Um, which if you don't know it, go check it out. <laughs> it's got a whole, it's got its own whole weird history and background to it. Um, but, uh, and, and at, at that point in time, you know, there was sort of a path in, in QA. You, you sort of start as a tester and if you make it to permanent, then you have a shot potentially at, you know, you can go into like being a supervisor. You could basically still be a lead tester if that's all you wanted to do. But if you wanted to advance, there was, you know, the supervisor route. Uh, and then there was also the production route. So being an assistant producer um, oh, yeah. for the production team. And we were so tightly packed with these guys, right? Like I used to walk by Michael Latham's, you know, cube all the time on the way to the lunchroom or Ed Annunziata's cube was, you know, somewhere else or Bert Schroeder's cube was off somewhere. And these guys were all accessible, right? They weren't necessarily like ever present with us because they were doing their thing. But like the, the thing that was cool about test back then was the producers really did look at us as a really valuable resource, mm. not just for our testing ability, but also like, Hey guys, is this game actually even fun? Or, Hey, you know, mm. what, what kinds of things could you see us, you know, you know, we won't have a lot of time or resources to do anything super crazy, but you know, what, do you see anything us tweaking anything here that would be, so they, they came to us, talked to us and actually valued us. Right. So, but as part of that, like I, I'm young, I'm 20 something. I want to advance in my career and the production route is really the route I was wanting to go. And I was really holding out hope to, to work with, uh, at one point in time, Michael, which that kind of evaporated because of our falling out. But Ed was really the person I really wanted to work with. Mm-hmm. And there were only so many roles that were available for, for producers to, 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 to be opened. And it got to a point where it felt like, you know, I'd been waiting for a little while, almost three years, and I just hadn't seen that opportunity really looking like it was going to come to fruition. So I decided, you know, it might be time for me to sort of branch out. E3 was brand new at that time. Um, and I had gone to the E3 show in that summer. Yeah. And Atari had a booth there. I had written some resumes. I uh, happened to drop one off at the Atari booth. They called me back. With the Jaguar, I take it. Were they? Yes. They, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so they called me back. They, I interviewed. They said, sounds good. And I got my first, um, you know, full-time salaried position. Because um, at Sega, we, even though we were permanent, we were hourly employees. Right, yeah, so yeah. So we still had to fill out a timesheet and whatever. Um, Atari was my first job where I was like a salaried employee. This is what you get paid for, you know, this is your rate that you get paid in however many hours. And so, Which is kind of a, a nice way of saying, please work a lot more than, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we can get better value out of you. Please work more than what we you know the forty hours a week that this is sort of based on. But, um, but that's every company. That's not just Atari. But, um, but it was an interesting time for them because you know, and I kind of had an inclination that you know things were not really going swimmingly over there when mm. I went to interview. The building was a little, little bit of you know disrepair. Um, you know, it was just like, like the carpets were like, you know, whatever carpets they had there in the seventies or eighties is the same carpets. They're real thin, <laughs> um, you know, panels in the ceiling that, you know, have water damage and are kind yeah, of yeah, falling. Yeah. So it's like, they kind of, I want to say cutting corners, but they just definitely weren't the same, you know, and they don't think they, you know, they didn't have the same leadership that they had when they started. Um, and I think they were really just kind of trying to figure out what to do because I think the Lynx was relatively successful for them and the Jaguar they really had high hopes for, mm. but I think they just sort of, I don't know. I, 
I, I don't know what the marketing, you know, scheme was like at the time. I think they just sort of painted themselves into a corner a little bit because I think they tried to promise things out of it that it could deliver. And, you know, I think if the, there had been a sort of a stronger, um, you know, connection and, and push from management to sort of be like, hey, guys, like we can do this. But we can't do this. Like, please yeah. don't go and tell people we can do to Battle Arena Toshinden because we really can't. Um, yeah. So... But anyway, so I so I got hired and, you know, pretty early on, I think, you know, I was more just kind of picking up like um, picking up like projects that, um, you know, were sort of close to being done. So, you know, because they're not going to try to throw a brand new guy into, um, you know, yeah. hey, go go get this game off the ground, you know, tomorrow. You've never worked with these people before. You've never done a contract. You've never done, you know, you don't even know our processes like they were going to throw me in that type of water. So like I think the first game I was assigned to was like Ruiner Pinball, yeah. Um, and then I eventually so the I think there was about four games that I worked on. There was Ruiner, there was uh, Fight for Life, which was in you know close to being done. Um, and then I I remember doing some work for there was a Brett Hall hockey uh, CD game that was being done, and there was also a Charles Barkley. Uh, Shut up and jam, which I think was just gonna be called Charles Barkley basketball. Both yeah. of those were going to be Atari uh, uh, Jaguar CD games, and Brett Hall needed some media done. So I was like, I was like, my job for a week was like, go get a bunch. We had these like archive tapes from the NHL of like uh, highlights of from actual NHL games. It was like, go sit down for five hours and like pick out the best highlights from this highlight reel so that we can use them to make a sizzle reel for the for the you know cd like uh a track mode or something uh barkley shut up and jam was a similar thing where it's like hey we need some sound effects for you know <laughs> the stuff happening on the basketball court and guys running around and whatever so you know i was kind of busy with that um and then i know at the time they were doing something they were supposed to be i read about i heard about this more recently i guess there was supposed to be like an exclusive mortal kombat 3 yes uh for yes. jack Parker. Uh, yeah so we i had, heard so we, yeah we had the machine in the office and I was like, I'm not a big mortal Kombat guy. Like I was, I was always a street fighter mm. fan. Right. Um, sort of like a, if you have a, you know, the sort of like uh, the black and white world of street fighter or uh, uh, street fighter, Mortal Kombat, I'm street fighter, black and white world of Sega and Nintendo is from a fan standpoint, I'm Nintendo. But oh, okay. um, I mean, yeah. even though I work for Sega, and, and you yeah. know, I've, I've definitely appreciated more in the yeah. past. But I mean, at the time, I was like Mario, Mario, yeah, Nintendo, yeah, yeah. Yoshi, blah, and um, and and in, in the fighting game world, it's Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat. But there's a free free to play Mortal Kombat machine in your office. You can go play the fucking thing. So, That's pretty cool. So, <laughs> so I was playing. I was distracted by that a fair amount. Um, so I was doing that, and um, and then there was some stuff toward the end that was happening where I was actually going to get a chance to start a new game. So um, oh. uh, I, the it's sort of weird timing too, because I'd gotten a phone call and I don't even know how the phone call came to me. Um, but uh, the guys uh, or the guy uh, who did Crystal Castles for the arcade, uh, Franz Lonsinger had called and he was trying to get the rights to, to Crystal Castles back so he could do a, his, a new version of it. Atari does not, give up their ip to anybody doesn't matter if you created it or not they're not handing it to you mm. so um so franz calls again somehow lands on my desk and i'm like 
hey, uh, I used to play your game when I was like 10. That's so cool. And now I'm like 23. <laughs> what the hell is this? You know, like, so he was really super cool. Him, him and his partner, um, Mark, Mark Robichek, who created a company called uh, Actual Entertainment. The, the tagline was, we make games that are actually entertaining. Um, <laughs> yeah, we had to, we should have consulted with some marketing people, but whatever. Um, it, but it was, it was pure. And, it, you know, Franz really wanted to do a bang up, ver, you know, new version of, of Crystal Castles. Um, that didn't happen. And so I was like, hey, really cool to meet you. Like, love to stay in touch. I uh, didn't know where that was going to lead, uh, which eventually sure. did lead somewhere. But at the, around the same time, and I can't remember, I think this was before, um, I had been talking to Bill Raybach, who's my boss, who I think you guys have spoken to. We've had him on the past on the show, yeah. Right, yeah. And Bill's a great dude. Um, he was, um, or, or we were talking to this group called uh, Wave WaveQuest. WaveQuest did some very famous Super Nintendo games about uh, dinosaurs that have health conditions. So Bron Bronchi, the Brachiosaur, who has asthma. And I know there's another one. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. But these guys were like Super Nintendo uh, heads. Nice. And they were going to – we started talking – I talked, started talking to Bill about – because Bentley Bear made an appearance in Atari Karts. He did, yeah. yeah. And we started talking about wanting to do Crystal Castles. And he was like, oh, we've got this developer we could work with. So I was in discussions with them uh, and trying to get a contract started. I remember like – and I remember feeling like I had to rush. I don't know that I knew that things were on the horizon about to collapse. But I was like – I kind of felt like I had to get this off the ground soon. Um, so that was happening. I was trying to get that sorted. Um, and then one other game was being worked on and I cannot remember for the life of me what the name of this game was, but there was, there was a demolition derby game on PlayStation at the time that was real popular and somebody, I'm uh, sorry, destruction derby is it? It might've been that one. Yeah. I, I, I can't recall for sure, but I know it was, it was like early, early PlayStation, really, really popular yeah. Yeah. title. And somebody at Atari wanted to do that on the Jaguar and this yeah. company that was in Malaysia who I forgot, I, I, sh I knew I needed to write this down and I forgot to write it down. <laughs> um, but they were apparently like very famous uh, after that for doing a lot of handheld stuff, like Game Boy things. They were trying to do this Jaguar game um, nice. that was a 3D driving demolition derby game. Wow. And they were like trying to like squeeze crazy horsepower out of this machine wow. that just wasn't intended to be able to, you know, because it yeah. was never intended to be a polygonal uh, uh, thing. But, you know, they were like, we could do 2d really well and yeah, we could maybe try to blast some polygons out of this thing, but it's not really what it's built for. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I think they just got caught in that wave of like, everybody was thinking, okay, 2d, 2d, what's the next best thing in 2d we can do. Yeah. Oh, they went 3d. Oh crap. We're caught with our pants down. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, man, that was a wild time. I mean, that was like right when the OJ trial was happening. So I remember like, we were all like <laughs> huddled around a TV in, in Raybox's office, like watching the what's going to happen That's with OJ. Um, my probably one of my my favorite memories there was when I was doing. Um, so my voice is in Fight for Life multiple times. I like that uh, game actually. A, oh really? Yeah, yeah. I do. I so, think it's a, yeah. I'm a big Jaguar fan. I like Fight for Life. I mean, it's got a bit of a. Not everyone likes it, but I think it's pretty fun. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to lie. For the longest time, I did not put that game on my resume because I thought <laughs> it was going to get me not looked at, but. Um, it was funny too because the game when I saw it, 
I, I felt, and I was, a, again, I'm a big fighting game guy, right? When I come in. So I'm like, Hey, this game needs some help. Mm. It was doing some weird things like the camera, like in the, as I, as, this is how I remember. Now I can't verify. I don't know if I've played a release build of this since, but I think this is how this works. What I recall when I was checking it out at the beginning was the characters did not automatically face each other. Like you'd start the round face to face, right? but yeah. it was a full 3d thing. So like you could eventually get to a point where this character's like this, and this character's like <laughs> that, and they're like not f- looking at each other. So now I'm like <laughs> kicking and I'm kicking air over here. I'm not right. kicking you. You're walking this way. I'm walking that way. We're right. like miles apart in the arena and there's no way for us to actually fight each other. So I was like, you guys got to figure out a way to, you know, snap the camera so that you're at least facing each other at some point. And then the other thing I remember was all the characters had the exact same moves, same controls, same moves, every character. So I was like, well, what's the, what's the advantage of picking this character over that character? They're not any different. Mm -hmm. And I think there was supposed to be some sort of like RPG ish thing where like the more you used a certain yeah move, you can unlock the new moves and stuff, aren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I was like, dude, these characters have to have like a slate of moves that make them unique, right? And they have to have different controls to do these moves. So, you know, I went and mapped out every single um, every single special move. Like, what here's what the control is now. Here's what it needs to be. You know, yeah, yeah. make this into a fireball. Make this into a charge move. Make this into whatever. Um, so just to try to make the characters feel so maybe I screwed that up. I don't know. I mean, to me, that was what made a character unique, right? That's no, what I agree, yeah. to me, that was Street Fighter, right? Zangief has a spinning pile driver, and nobody else has that, you know. Um yeah. <laughs> so but I but the fun thing for me was doing the voices. So I remember being uh, a guy named Stan Weaver, who was a former Sega tester, he was the audio guy, and we'd come over around the same time and we were like, dude, we need some voiceover work for this game. We don't have anybody to hire, this has to be us. So I recruited a few people from QA and myself and I'm in the sound booth and I'm literally screaming like stands like louder, louder. So I'm like, there's, and it's not soundproof glass, right? So there's a whole office of people outside and I'm just sitting there trying to be, I remember there was one guy who was like a military dude. And so I'm like, Oh yeah. Thank you. And I'm like scream, like literally as loud as I possibly can get. And other people are just like, I see people walking by just going, doing you know but that was that was actually like and it was funny too because then you then you hear yourself in the game and i'm like man it's still too quiet (laughs) yeah yeah the sound effects need to be louder um but uh but that was yeah so that was my like first uh my first ever and probably i think last voiceover work in a video game Oh man, I'm tempted Joe, to power up my jaguar off this interview. Oh, you should, dude. Absolutely. (laughs) I know. I I did. I did the. I did the military guy. I think there was a military guy. I did the boxer. Yeah. Um, and I know I did like. I think I did two other ones. I have credit. If you look in the credits, it says additional. It says voice work or something. My name is there, but doesn't say like which character. Yeah. Uh, someday I'll go through and I'll actually map out like I did that guy. I did that guy. I did that guy. I've actually um, um sorry, I've actually interviewed the person that made the game proper. Um, I forget he's uh, so bad. It was oh yeah, he was, he was uh, the AM2 guy, right? Yeah, he, he's he had a big career before and after. I think he worked on Virtual Fighter as well, didn't he? And, yeah, that was that's where they that's kind of where they recruited because he did um mm. as I recall it in Virtual Fighter Two, he did the the Leon character. That's right, yeah. And then they were like, hey, we've got to get somebody to come do this thing for us. Let's recruit that guy. <laughs> um. And I mean, you know, bless his heart, man. I mean, he's trying. 
Yeah. I know he was trying, but that system just had so many limitations and, um, you know, they did have a, um, a, a fight like like Eric Wahlberg was the fight coordinator uh, for Eternal Champions. They actually had another guy. I can't remember his name, uh, but they had a fight coordinator guy for Fight for Life, too. Right. They oh, were yeah, yeah. these guys were trying hard, yeah, yeah. you know, but there's just that's the thing about software development uh, and especially in that era. Right. No tools, really. Yeah. Uh, you know, no engines, really. Um, everything is you're just kind of like see to your pants a little bit mm-hmm. all the time and you know bless your heart no matter what you plan for uh you aren't going to be able to execute exactly the way you you want to i mean unless, unless you have infinite time and money which very few projects do yeah. um you know and how many you know how many games got left on the cutting room floor i mean uh the you know the at the at a time at a point in time when i was first in, in qa they were doing uh, at sega they were doing a uh, jurassic park and that game got chopped you know like they had a whole they had a whole media studio built just to do that game well at sega or is this a yeah at sega yeah, yeah. i'm at sorry sega, I, yeah, yeah. I don't mean to cross the streams but That's i'm just right, saying yeah. i'm just saying like no matter what you've got in mind right like you can make all these grandiose plans yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like it, it's it could be the smallest thing in the world that you know trips you up right um you know could be the license you know becomes not popular or all these ideas that you thought were going to go really well, you take it to focus test and kid, you know, people are just like crapping all over it because it's not mm-hmm. what they want, you know? So it, it's rough. And I've seen a lot of games do that too, where they get part way through and then they have to like really quickly, like change it up, you know, it, make it do yeah. some stuff that was never really meant to do. And that's probably part of the why, reason why I would say fight for life, you know, specifically could be a little rough around the edges because it's doing a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. right at the very end that it was never really built to do. And trying to make it work. I, so. I heard I heard rumors, Joe, that the game they released, the final Fight for Life, wasn't the finished product, and actually, oh. hmm. there might be a code for it, an even better version that never actually made it out. I don't know if that's true or not. I yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't. I and I. The sad thing is, from that period of time, I have almost nothing from from Atari. Like I have a bunch of Sega yeah. stuff. Yeah, I have yeah. almost nothing. And the saddest part of that is, I had an opportunity to go do that. The, the, the two buildings Atari had left at the time were the development studio and the warehouse. So your boy goes to the warehouse uh, by special invite from, uh, I was friends with one of the um, nice. secretaries there and her husband was the guy who ran the warehouse. So he sends me, hey, let's go to the warehouse, check it out. Yeah. I am not kidding you at all. An entire Indiana Jones sized warehouse full of pallets of boxed Jaguars and Lynxes and no Jag way. CDs no. stacked to the freaking rafters, bro. Like higher no. than my head. And and we're walking around and, you know, we're looking at stuff. And one of the Tremel brothers had his personal collection of uh, arcade games in the back. Nice. So he had like a couple battle zones. He had a, he had a Pong. He had some uh, missile commands. Was and there's Le- like Leonard Tremel? Uh, no, that's not Leonard. There was, so there was, there was Jack was the dad. Sam was yep. the president. Leonard was the tech guy. And I love Leonard. Leonard was really cool to me. Um, and I there was a there's another brother, and I cannot remember his name, but it was it was his people shouting us out, they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somebody's going to tell me. Um, but yeah, so he so he had his stuff back there, and then there was oh, <laughs> hi, that's oh my, wow, now I'm being invaded. That's my son Thomas. You want to say hi? Hi. Okay. Hi, Tom. <laughs> hi. That's my that's my boy. Who's nine years old and wears the clothes of a thirteen-year-old? <laughs> hey, buddy. Um, can I talk to you later? Whoa. Please. Um, 
Okay. Mm. Okay. Well, get back to me on that later. Let me know if I can talk to you later, later. <laughs> and take the dog with you too, please. Uh okay. But why we need to pause for a second. What is your name? <laughs> I'm sorry. Name? I was I was thought I was very clear. What is that name? <laughs> what is that name? Oh yeah, don't look at the he's oh, yeah. looking at my name. <laughs> Appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. Bye. Busted. Bye. Good to see you. I guess you can leave the dog if you have to. Close the door, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love you. Oh my gosh. All right. Oh, Sorry about that. That's there we all right. Go. Where was um, I? Uh, well, I? I want to talk about the tr Tramels, actually, because we've. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, very, yeah, where, yeah. Where, real quick, warehouse. They sent me through the warehouse. You take whatever you want. There's a small box in the back of like old uh, 2600 games, and I grab one of those. Not a Jaguar. Oh, not a Lynx, not a Jack not CD, a Jack CD, <laughs> all of which because I'm thinking like, who wants this crap? They can't even oh. sell it. Apparently, some dude bought all that stock and he is making his living off of just parsing out, you know, a couple of systems a month. They're they're crazy right now. Well, anyway. the Jack CDs. Hey. I I heard rumors there are only like ten, maybe twenty thousand ever made. I, I don't know if that's. Oh, cool. it was a very yeah, it was a very small amount for sure. I mean, and you know, like there's sort of a tragic design element to them too. They don't look very nice. <laughs> <laughs> they, they kind of kind of resemble a toilet. They do. But um, I, I used to own one, Joe. I asked. I had, oh, I what did you do it. with I, it? I had to sell it in the end. Thanks. Oh man, I, regret it. I do regret it in a way. What a bummer. Yeah, I know. those um, those are definitely piece of history for sure. They're amazing, aren't they? Do you, do you, do you personally own a Jaguar or a Jag CD? I own a Jaguar. Yeah, I I uh, bought one from. So there's a game store um, that I've been going to. Uh, I found it open last summer. It's called the called the Experience Share. Anybody in the Bay Area, go to the Experience Share. Hi, Marvel. Um, uh, I love that store, and I really like helping him out because he's 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 a really good guy, and he really has that. You know, he's a Sega fan too, um, but he's also an Atari fan, and he happened to have a Jag seat. Uh, uh, he has a okay. So get this: he has a Jaguar kiosk in wow. his store <laughs> with the original monitor. The original Atari monitor, cool which went out on him, and I had to help him find somebody to come fix it, and now it works again. <laughs> Um, but he has the kiosk, which is awesome. Um, but he happened to have a, a Jaguar in the store and I've been, you know, like trading him stuff. He gives me pretty decent values for my trades. And I had a bunch of store credit and I was like, Hey, Jaguar, I'd take one of those. Nice. So, yeah, so I have it. I haven't hooked it up yet because yeah, yeah. I, I, internal, I, I eternally have no time to, <laughs> yeah. to, to play any games, but, um, but yeah, I think there's actually some more, I don't know. Is there more Atari lore? You want to get into well how about the tramels were they because i've i, I don't mm. want to speak ill you know but i heard that it's sure. quite difficult to work with or some some I, tough boss what was your personal so my experience was pretty limited again i was only there for four months mm. um my understand so again i tr leonard to me was awesome right like super yeah. sharp guy super friendly um you know he 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 i think was sort of like in a, in a sense, he was more of sort of like the beating heart of Atari because he was the one who I think really had the most um, investment in, you know, making that system, you know, be all it, all it could be. Right. Yeah. And um, so I, I really appreciated, again, in a very short span of time, I, I knew, got to know him. And it was sad, too, because after that, there was no Facebook or anything after that. So I lot, completely lost touch with everybody there um, that I wasn't already friends with, say, from Sega. Um, but, uh, but Leonard was great. Um, the other Tramel brother, which I mentioned, I can't remember his name. Uh, I don't think he was really too involved. Um, I don't know for sure. He might've been doing some big deals or something behind the scenes. 
Um, Sam, you know, as president, um, I didn't know anything. I heard some things later that maybe he was having some health problems or something. I was not aware of this. Um, I felt like, and if I'm being honest, like, I just felt like he was a little out of touch because, you know, we'd go to meetings and we'd be talking about, you know, Hey, what game should we be doing? And he was, you know, it was more of like, whatever his son liked, he was like, I like Uh, that, you know, it was, it was less about, I think him having a good, and yeah. again, I, I don't know this for sure, but like good instincts about, you know, what's popular or what should be what we should be doing or having sort of a, mm-hmm. a guiding uh, principle or, um, you know, thrust to the like, this is what we're this is what Atari is. Right. I, just, I wasn't getting that impression uh, from them, uh, from him about that. And of course, Jack was, you know, I don't even know how involved Jack was at that point. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. At all. But um, but Leonard, Leonard was my guy. I mean, I, I, I really appreciated the fact that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and Bill, again, my boss, Bill, uh, Jay Patton, who was also a producer there, who went on to Sony for decades, I think. Um, Both those guys, the production team to me seemed very solid. Like they really wanted to do things as well as they could. But I think they were also a little bit more um, realistic about what the Jaguar could actually do. Right. And not trying to expect, you know, the there's only so much uh, you can squeeze out of this thing. And I think they were, you know, Bill's, Bill's a tech guy. He understood the tech. Mm. Um, you know, I think he kind of knew like, okay, there's, we can't really ask for a whole lot more than, than what we're getting. And if we need more than that, then we need to do something different. Um, and that's, I think where, you know, the, the new development was, was, was headed. Um, more combat free really briefly, just if you can remember any more um, Joe, because, it's one of those real, really mythical Jaguar games that, honestly, if you go on the Atari forums, people will know as much as possible. I know, is there any more you can tell? Did you ever see people working on it, or how far did you ever see? Was it just all discussions before? Or that's man, that's tough, man. I mean, like I said, I absolutely remember the the arcade machine. I mean, I was yeah. in there quite a bit, and I know, I want to say that there was um, some development group up there doing you know something with it but yeah, yeah. i honest i honestly like i don't I, I don't recall ever seeing a build um you know or or you know something running on hardware i don't remember seeing a prototype um but i mean it was definitely happening right like there was it, it, the fact that there was some kind of and it really should have happened too because i mean yeah. that's midway right that's atari's yeah. sister you know group basically so i don't know why I don't know why it didn't, other than maybe they realized, like, hey, you know what, we could do this, but this isn't really going to get us, you know, where we want to go. Um, it's, this is not going to drive the, uh, the 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 sales or, um, you know, no pick right. this pick this platform back up off of its off its, uh, you know, because it, it, it definitely had fought. You know, I mean, I remember seeing discounted hardware, you know, from from the thirty two X on, right? Like as soon as the system back then was was not happening. Yeah. It was like on sale, fire sale, get rid of this thing. Like, you know, like, yeah, you know, Jaguars were, I think, probably being sold for, you know, the beginning, I think they were like 300. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think after a while, stores were trying to just, you know, give us 50 bucks, please, and take it. You know, like, so I, I, yeah. I love the system. I have to say, I'm, you know, I do enjoy playing the Jaguar. Um, it, it, it can do some great things. And I mean, like, you know, one of the guys, so kind of a, not to, to lead too far into the future, but one of the guys I ended up working with uh, who worked with Franz when I worked for him later, uh, he did uh, Trevor McFur for that system. Yes. Yes. And, you know, so he, you know, so he, and he, you know, I don't know 
how well that game is sort of like received in the community, you know, in the, in the larger community, but I mean, that's a shooter, right? It's a shooter and it works on that platform. Um, It didn't try to do too much. Mm. And I think that's what I noticed a lot of was a lot of games that were really trying to do really much a whole lot more than they really could pull off. Um, And I think, I think that sunk them because I think that was the thing where it's like, they're trying to make promises like, Hey, we could compete with these other systems. We have 64 bits and, it's just you know, and then you look at the games. And you're like, "What yeah. are you doing?" I, I see, I see about ten. What are you doing with the other fifty-four? <laughs> um, so, what's what's uh, the best game of the Jag in your opinion? Which one do you reckon pushes the? I console? mean, okay, okay. I I would say I would say Doom, mm. just based on what I've seen of it, right? The, but the fact that it has no audio, like Carmack apparently had to like program, get to borrow the audio, like <laughs> processing to actually make the game work. <laughs> um, but the coolest thing I have seen. And they actually, it's actually at Marvel's store on his kiosk. He has Tempest 2000, but he has the controller that has the dial on it. Oh, the Road 3 controller. Yes. So what's really awesome to me about this is that Jeff Minter programmed that game to work with that dial before that dial had ever been commercially made. It never got commercially made. (laughs) And then years Decades down the line, down the line, somebody goes and actually makes, makes it. it. That's crazy. And then it works. It works with the game, and you don't have to do anything crazy. You just plug it in, and boom! This piece of hardware that was always yeah. intended to be available but never actually built now exists and now works. That to me is <laughs> fucking amazing. It's a great so, game, actually, as well. Tempest oh yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the thing, man. There's it, it, what's funny to me is like, what's the alchemy like in these guys? There's guys out there that just understand how to do stuff. Mm. And then they make crazy stuff. And I mean, I just, I don't know what kind of, you know, galaxy brain, you know, <laughs> experience. <laughs> like you have to have some kind of experience or something in your life or whatever. But I mean, I'm just in awe because those guys can make really magical things happen on a screen. And that's, that's pretty cool. Nice. Um, uh, can what? you give me one moment? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I feel like this dog is breathing heavily and I, I don't want to yeah. overtake the conversation. That's all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a dog exit a room and I'll be right back. <laughs> Come on, dog. Let's go. Yep. One, two, three. Yep. Head on out. That direction. There you go. Yep. Don't sit on my stuff. There you go. You got it. Okay. Good dog. Good good dogs here. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm back. Thank you, Joe. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> I felt like I know she, she there's times when I'm on I'm on the phone with people and there's this like silence from me and all you hear is this panting in the background. I just imagine what people are <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've I've got a couple of cats and they swear it's the dog. <laughs> yeah. Swear it's the dog. Um, um Joe, are you happy to speak? Because obviously you were at Tari for four months. Unfortunately, things went belly up at the end and um, yeah. the, the company pretty much closed down. Uh, I know there's the Atari brand now, but it's not quite the same. But w- before it closed down, you said to me offline, there were some rumors from chat about like a new Jaguar, a new console, yeah. like the, the last throw of the dice almost. Would you say Would you say it's fair? I would but, say yes. Are yeah. you happy to share that kind of whatever you heard, whatever development, mm-hmm. went across, even if it's just discussions or ideas? I'm, I know our listeners sure. would love it. So what I, what I remember distinctly, and I'll go back to Leonard. 
so Leonard was at one point, I remember, and I don't know how, if it was just sort of like general conversation or he was talking to somebody else and it was in passing, but you know, he was, he was, uh, he'd been on that, on that, um, track for a while of trying to get the Jaguar two off the ground now. So, so if you rewind a little bit, so, you know, Atari puts out the Jaguar, they put out the Jag CD. It's not really going too well. And they are like, you know, if we're going to do, if we're going to compete, we really have to come up with something special. So I think that was sort of Leonard's like project was like, we got to you know find a way to put ourselves back on the map. And so, so what I recall is the Jaguar two was supposed to be, effectively um backwards compatible right so there was there was going to be a single uh a single chip so if i'm if i'm understanding the architecture of the original jaguar correctly there's two chips those tom and jerry those were supposed to be combined into one chip so it would be and i remember hearing leonard saying like oh we're getting really close like we're getting really close to having that combined chip working so that basically they could have a system where Okay, you've got Tom and Jerry on one chip. You plug in a cart; it'll be compatible. You could play whatever you played on the Jaguar on it. But then it would also have extra you know, horsepower in in other ways. And I think it was going to be more of a more you know more along the lines of a more modern like three D system sure. uh, with at least the capacity to, to do polygonal um, uh, uh, g- generating polygons rather than always just focusing on this two D thing. Um, and so. Again, the discussions I can recall are, you know, him saying like, "Hey, this is getting really close. Like, it's all—it's like it's almost working." And I know that they were leaning, you know, um, they were leaning into the idea of, "Hey, now we're going to have to start like lining up people to develop, you know, games for this for this new thing." Now, I don't know how far that actually got off um, the ground in terms of, you know, did they actually sign any studio? or talk to any studio with specifically say, Hey, we need you guys to make this game for the Jag too. Um, but you know, I know that it was, it was, it was happening, right. It was in motion. Um, but it, it, again, it's such a weird time because like you've got, and I don't even know how most companies handle this normally, right. You've got the sort of the momentum of trying to like, we've got to wind this thing down. We've got to wind one thing down sort of before yeah, yeah. we spool another thing up. And, um, you know, which, which <laughs> to, to draw back to say, I don't know if Sega ever did that effectively. Um, but, uh, but Atari, you know, obviously they only had really one system to do because the Lynx was around, but it wasn't like a focus. Yeah. Really. Um, and so, um, and I, I, I really wish I had had more insight into that at the time. But I mean, mostly, again, mostly what I was focused on was kind of like wrapping up the projects that I had been. Uh, you know, had thrown at, and I, I don't remember, I don't really honestly don't remember if it was a discussion point, like when I was like this, um, other, this crystal castle thing I was talking about, like, yeah, I yeah. don't, I don't recall there being like, Hey, what system are we going to do this for as being part of that discussion? So hard to say, I, I think it was probably one of those things where like, it wasn't real enough yet to, to start going to people and saying, you know, we know we can count like here's something that, that we can give you a spec or something that you can yeah, 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 yeah. count on to start building against. Right. Um, it was more of like pie in the sky. We know we want to do this and this is, this is what we think will be good, but it wasn't, it wasn't really, uh, I mean, if anybody, I mean, 
man, I would love to see if anybody has anything from that era from, from that, because I mean, you know, just to verify what I remember. Um, but that's, that's how I recall it. Um, you know, Leonard, Leonard was definitely motivated mm-hmm. and he was really pushing uh, to try to get that. But I mean, mm-hmm. it was like all, all sorts of challenges, right? Like you're trying to take, you know, yeah. architecture that's, you know, two, these two separate pieces of architecture and combining them into one thing and making it small and making it cost efficient. And, and I think that was just a big ask at the time. I wonder if it would have been a CD as well, a CD console. I That I don't know. That I don't yeah. know. But I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I've heard that the JAG CD is kind of eat, breaks down easily. Is that true? Yeah, the one I the one I, I never broke to be fair, but I've heard room. Yeah, it, it's, it can easy break. It's, you can push down the little dial bit, you know, the the, the spinning thing. It's quite oh it's quite delicate. Ooh. Yeah, you've got to be very careful with it. Yeah, um, I mean, I've tried to get. I've had some Sega CDs that I've been trying to get repaired. <laughs> Just the you know the laser. Yeah, alone yeah, is completely. like whew, take it, that could be the, the uh, make or break point. So, oh uh, the jag anyway. the, the jag two. What could have been? Eh? I mean. Uh, I mean, We've, I would have. Yeah. I mean, for, personally, I mean, I, I would have liked to have seen it, but there's this, there's a part of it's more of the nostalgia part, I think, where it's like, you know, and I've said this to folks before. It's like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh man, I really wish Atari would, you know, get the band back together or Sega yeah. would do this or whatever. It's like it's never going to be that again. There's just no way it can be, um, because you're you're a prisoner of that moment where you know you've yeah. got your limitations whatever they might be in front of you and you better, you've got to learn how to work around them. Um, and we don't have that problem anymore. You know, like if anybody was going to do that now, I'd be like, Hey, I could uh, take this super Nintendo and just tack on like, you know, eight gigs of memory to it. What can I do with that? You know, it's not really the same thing. No, it's not, um, is it? So, but I, I do think, I do think that, um, you know, th- again, their, their hearts were in the right place. They're, you know, the, the, the goal of trying to, you know, make Atari um, live on and be, you know, that thing that people could, you know, that, that beacon of like, you know, this is my, this is my temple of, you know, gaming greatness. Um, you know, what they wanted, I think they wanted to deliver on that, but I just don't know that, it, A, I don't know that it really could ever have been that, but, you know, B, yeah. um, the, the amount of effort it really would take it to make that all happen, right? That that was an era where you couldn't really, unless you were Nintendo, you really couldn't survive on first party uh, stuff. You really no. needed, you really needed the help of third parties to get involved and and make a lot of great stuff for your system. And I just don't know that they were they, that would have been a real uphill climb for them uh, in that era because I think everybody because PlayStation was like, oh my god, PlayStation's hitting, you know, everybody's got to get on that. And everything yeah. else was sort of like, you know, you might you might want to do something for another system, probably more because you couldn't necessarily, you know, beat the uh, beat the rush to the PlayStation <laughs> or or deliver on there like other folks could. So you had to, you know, change your target. Um, it's it's it's, a, it's so sad, and I I've got so much love for the Atari actually. But Joe, are you happy to reflect on your sort of final days at Atari? Were there people? being fired left, right, and center? Was it very <laughs> cutthroat? I mean, I, I'd love to hear I, firsthand how it went down those final few man, days. What I, okay, I this is what I remember. Yeah, I remember being totally blindsided by it. Right, okay. I did not have any expectation that this was coming. <laughs> I mean, I it was one of those things where you were like, wow, this company's really been kind of, uh, kind of uh, struggling for a while. He's sort of just kind of treading water 
yeah, yeah, where, yeah. where is the end for this? You know, and I wasn't just thinking even in those con in that exact words, but it was like, man, I, you know, I joined up thinking kind of one thing and now it's sort of become this other thing. And, um, I didn't really know what to expect, but I certainly was not expecting coming into the office and then being like, you know, you could kind of see, like, I think some people knew, either, I don't think it had happened by the time I got there right, really yeah. broadly, but I think you could tell the looks, I could see some people's faces like, Oh, no. What? Why does that person look sad? Weird atmosphere, like, yeah. Yeah, what's going on here? And I think it was probably not too much, not too much longer after the day started. Maybe it could have been 10 o'clock, 10 30, something like that. And they sort of started making, you know, pulling, hey, Joe, can you come into my office type of, you know, situation. And um, there was one woman uh, who worked there. Her name was uh, Sally Lebrecht. And she was in, I think she was more of like a, uh, uh, What's the word? Um, assistant, like not not a producer, but like a personal assistant. Yeah. And I could see this look on her; she was crying, and I was oh, just no, like, yeah. "Oh my god, what's going on?" And it became clear very quickly that like this was the purge. Like, if you know, it, they were they were basically going to have to cut it down to the absolute bare minimum just to kind of um, wrap you know wrap operations basically, right? Like Atari was not going to continue on as it was anymore. They had to let all these people go. And then they had to keep some skeleton staff to kind of like, Hey, cause there's legal things, right? We have to close these contracts. We have to, right, um, yeah, yeah. you know, deal with the real estate stuff. We have to deal with the, you know, open uh, whatever accounts, right. Developer accounts and stuff like that. So there was a small amount of people that had to stay, but like, development wise, like my understanding, the whole thing got cleared out. Um, maybe some QA were left over. I, I think uh, you guys may have, I thought I saw you guys had some kind of a chat with Tal. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he's been on a text interview was, again on this. Yeah, show. yeah, yeah. So he was he was in QA there at the time, and I know. Um, so he might know more from what happened on that side. But the sad, saddest thing for me, I mean, aside from obviously losing my job and you know suddenly having to say goodbye to these people that I, you know, had just really started to get comfortable with. Um, when we were working, we we're going. We knew we were going to work on the Crystal Castles game. I actually went and picked up a, an arcade upright unit for research purposes. And I had it in the office. And as I'm walking out, I'm looking at it going, oh, what's going to happen to that thing? I'm not taking that home. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was like, damn it. Where is it? Damn it. I don't know. But I mean, it was, you know, it was just something I, at the time I was going to like, uh, there's these arcade auctions that were happening. Yeah. And I was going to a lot of those. And I think I might have, I don't remember if I bought it from an auction or somebody that I knew from an auction or something. But um, I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to let that like, actually, I can't do anything about that. It's gone. Goodbye. Oh, you know. no. <laughs> so I had to say farewell to my my little machine that I was so happy to have. Which later I got one, so I was fine. Oh, um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was it was definitely like I I, I just remember like thinking about you know on my because I, I think we left pretty early. I think I was at the time I was getting like rides in from from somebody um, either Stan either Stan or this other guy Belair that we worked with because um, my car had broken down, <laughs> so I was getting head. rides and it was like. Oh shit! We all just lost our jobs. Uh, well, I guess we're going home early, and you know that was that. Um, and that led me down kind of an interesting career path after that because I didn't really know, you know, here, here I am, like I'm, I, I'm like I get out of test. I'm like I made it. I'm a producer. And then like four months later, I'm like I'm not a producer. Oh, what am I going to do? So, um, you know, it was uh, it was some choppy waters. 
for a while there. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. But I do recall it was very somber, and um, you know, a lot of people that um, you know, and again, I'd only been there for four months, but a lot of people that were there had been there for quite a while, working with each other, and they all just had yeah. to say goodbye like at a you know moment's notice. No, it's not. It's not. It's not funny, is it? I shouldn't be laughing. It's, it's not. not no, I mean, but but yeah, I mean, but but but, but I mean, in, in a, I, I get where I get the 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 amusement in it. Um, you know, as far as like, it's, it's like you, you look at something afterwards, it's like easy, you know, but in that moment, it was just like, wow, man, what's going on? You know, I, I and you know, your, your mind immediately starts going to places, you know, and I didn't have kids or anything at the time. So, um, it was, you know, my son now just shows up. Um, I didn't have kids or anything. So it was just me that I had to worry about. But, um, but, you know, it was also. Um, you know, you look back on it later and you're like, man, it wasn't just me that it was impacted. It was all these other folks too. So that's bless really you. Yeah, no, bless you. Pardon me for one more moment. That's all right. I will be right back. <laughs> Okay, sorry. I really thought I was done with that. That's right. No problem. <laughs> is is this the part where we transition into kids talking about what it's like to be a dad? Yeah. Uh, I, I, now, don't get, believe me. I love I love my son. I never thought I would be a dad. And the funny thing that I was thinking about earlier today was you told me you had your kids really young. Or you started. Yeah, very young. I was uh, very well, really young dad actually. So um, I, I think I became a dad in like timeline and lifeline about twenty years after you first did. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? And I yeah. never thought I would have kids at all. Um, I just didn't even think I was like the right temperament for kids. You know, I'm just, I'm not, I don't think anybody would go back in time who you could talk to and ask, is Joe Kane a patient person? <laughs> Probably not going to get too many yeses out of that question. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's interesting for me because Thomas, um, who you just saw flopping on my bed behind me, uh, you know, he, he does have, um, um, you know, challenges, you know, he was, he's, he's on the spectrum. Um, and you know, has, he has his, you know, issues with, you know, impulse control and other things. And, you know, for a time, we didn't even know if he would talk, like he wasn't verbal for like two years. Wow, okay. And now fast forward to this point in time, you can't shut him up. <laughs> and, you know, and I, and I love, and, and, and I say that in a loving way, because it's like, you went, you went from this point in time where we're like, is this, you know, is he going to function to, he's actually really high functioning, yeah, yeah, um, you know, choice. but, 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 you know, but it's, it's, it's scary. And, and I don't know if you had this moment, Adrian, but like the minute he was born, I was a dad, like, Oh my God. It's like, it's crazy. Uh, switch <laughs> yeah. flipped big yeah. time. Yeah. But I, I, I'm amazed at you dude. Cause like, if I think about myself at 18, man, it was crazy times. No way in the world. <laughs> I'm not throwing myself off a balcony. Yeah. Oh he's, he's about to finish Ooh. uni now my son back there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was tough. Gosh, well, I'm not going to say dang, it was the man. easy time but you know, you But just... you know it's, this is the cool thing for you too is that now does it feel I mean does it feel weird? I'm the, I'm the interviewer. Does it feel <laughs> weird to have a son who's really not that much younger than you? 
I mean, in the grand scheme of things. No, it, it feels crazy. And um, uh, he's done very well for himself as well, actually. So you, you never know what's if you're going to be a good or bad dad, do you? So it's tough, but I'm, pr- I'm proud of him. He's, he's about to finish uni. He's a nice kid and he's very polite. And yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's, it's, it, but what's cool for me is to see the different ways that you you can, inf- like, not that you've tried to influence them a particular way, but like yeah. things that you do or things that the way that you are and the things you impart to them and how they, how they take those things in. Like, you know, and, and, and some of it's very natural too, right? Like um, we were just visiting with my wife's um, dad and his uh, girlfriend last night. And she was telling me, she's like, Oh, Thomas is so sweet. He's, he's so caring. And it's like, I'm not teaching him that necessarily. I mean, I want, obviously want him to be, you know, nice and, and care about people. And, you know, we talk about, you know, how you treat people and you don't, you know, do this, don't do that. But the fact that he's just very naturally like mm-hmm. loving and caring, like, you know, that, that makes me happy because, um, you know, I don't have to worry about him being the kind of person that, you know, might, um, you know, get things wrong in life. And, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, he, he, he's very pure in that way. And, you know, he very purely wants to come and be a part of what's going on <laughs> right now. Uh, so, you know, I, I try not to, I don't want to be too hard on him, but, um, oh, bless it. Nice. but, but it, but it is funny because, you know, like I said, I just, I had no inclination at all. I mean, some people I know are like, man, they grew up the whole time. I really want to be a dad. I'm like, I can hardly see two feet in front of my face most times. Like, <laughs> try to think about how to take care of somebody else. Like, what? I so mean, you, I, you play video I games with him and salute stuff. Salute you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. You know, I mean, he. I do. I tried. He plays more with his mom though. His mom's right, a game, his mom's okay. a gamer. My wife's amazing that way, and um, in a lot of ways, um, and. A, Partly the fact that she's, you know, patient as hell with me. Um, but uh, but no, she he she's um it's funny, I was never like a first person shooter guy. Like even oh, when like Doom came out and Quake, I was like I kind of eventually got into it. But she like she's like super um she plays everything, but she's a super like more like an FPS, you know, stuff. Nice, so yeah, yeah, yeah. and she'll play anything with him. Um, you know, they're playing uh they're probably playing uh, Seven Days to Die right now um oh i've heard of that yeah, yeah uh but they play you know PUBG. they play um uh you name it you know whatever whatever he's into whatever she's into oh, he, he's 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 mom's he's mama's boy right now for that <laughs> um maybe maybe someday he'll get the bug and and come down my road because i'm like i you know as a gamer like i don't shy away from action stuff but i'm much more like for me, like the cerebral puzzler type, you know. Oh, okay. Dude, when like Portal, fucking yeah, that's that, a good game. That game for me was like that was a that was a light bulb moment of like, <laughs> this is what I've been waiting for my entire life. Yep. Right. Like, there's like to me in the world that I've of games that I've been exposed to, there are three perfect games: Tetris, yep. Street Fighter, Portal. That's it. That's wow. it. That's my list yeah. of three, two puzzle three perfect games. games. Well, yeah. But, 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 yeah, but, but I mean, I've been, I've been like that, but puzzle games can also be like hectic and, you know, like Tetris gets crazy. It does, um, yeah. It's, it's did you ever play, there was a game called uh, Blockout. Did you ever play Blockout? I haven't played that, no. It's like 3D Tetris. Like it's like a well. Oh, okay. That sounds pretty cool. Man, that <laughs> game's intense. I was playing that with Dave Gray on PC like way long ago. Um, it's, it's like the, the idea of like, you know, thinking and doing. And not to say that these shooters aren't that, 
but the Mm-mm. that there's like that analytical puzzle element to it where it's like yeah. kind of this open-ended thing and i really that's really like my style um you know like for me as a gamer right now what i have the most time to play chess Right, I, yeah, I'm yeah. still hacking away at it. I still suck for the most part. <laughs> I'm okay. I make dumb mistakes all the time, but it's like you know. But that's the thing. I can like I can stop and put five minutes or ten minutes of my day into that. It's so daunting to think about like sitting down. Like I bought the Diablo two remake, and I really want to play it. Yeah. But man, do I have two hours to sit down and really enjoy it? You do no. need that sort of time. Yeah. So I don't even want to start because you know it's like I feel like I'm going to get dragged away from it. And, you know, dude, my interests are all over the map right now. I'm so, it's like shiny thing. Oh, go get the shiny thing, you know. <laughs> sealed, oh, sealed games. I need to buy that. Um, so I'm doing all sorts of weird stuff. And Well, it's, uh, we'll, we'll talk about your collection in a minute. Um, oh, yeah. If that's right, Jay. <sighs> Is it? <laughs> you tell before, me, man. Before we, before we go there, sure, are you happy sure. to, after Atari, you know. You I'm to happy to do anything for you, Adrian. Oh, you're a gentleman. But after after Atari, you obviously you lost your job, but not not the best mm. time. But what? Where did your career take you after that? Because I know, I think you tried to get everywhere. Back at Sega, is that right, Jay? Everywhere. My turn. <laughs> this is the cool. The coolest thing about the being in the industry to me mm. is, like, okay, let's say I'd gotten my wish and I'd stayed at Sega. Yeah. I might have made a bunch of different contacts. I might have been a producer. I might have worked with a lot of different dev studios. Who knows, right? I would not have. I wouldn't change. I really wouldn't change anything. Um, in the sense that what happened after Sega sort of forced my forced me down a certain path in, in the sense of I really had to get creative in the sense of what am I going to do, right? So I went and worked for Atari. Atari blows up. Um, I go back to Sega and, you know, frankly, we've had this, we had this little discussion before. Mike Latham, not too hot about me coming back to Sega. And kind of blocked me on that so um some of the producers at sega were super cool and like um you know ed and Anziata, who i'm still you know really good friends with um just had lunch with him at gdc as a matter of fact um he uh he was like hey i need some help t- doing some testing on um uh what uh three dirty dwarves can you do some three dirty dwarves yeah. testing steve apor calls me in he's like hey can you test a bug for me Right. Cause I still had that kind of reputation of being yeah, that guy. Yeah. Right. So and they were helping me out. It was awesome of them. Um, my favorite project, Bert Schroeder, who again, the Batman fame at the time, Mario 64 was brand new. He goes, Hey Joe, I really want to see everything that's in Mario 64. Can you make me a videotape of a playthrough? Get all 120 stars. Wow. I'll pay you 500 bucks. Wow. I said, when can I start? <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, and actually, because at, at the time, I think I was working, my um, my ex-wife and I used to write strategy guides, and I think at the time we were doing something for that. So I was really familiar with the game. I was like, yes, dude, I can do this for you right now. Nice. So um, so I kind of got a, a little bit of a, a float from that work. Uh, I did very briefly work in QA for um, Crystal Dynamics. Um, and that was a weird time, though, for them, because that was like, they had a lot of Hollywood money, and then suddenly the Hollywood money got pulled away. and Crystal Dynamics right, was sort right. of like adrift, and um, so I, I did that for a short period of time. It was about long enough that you know, summer comes around again. So this is late late ninety five. I lose my job at Atari. Now we're getting to late ninety six. Yeah, yeah. And I get a phone call from Franz, who I had made contact with at Atari, and he's like, "Hey, 
we need some help finishing up our game that we just did in the last year. Can you come and work for me? And I said, hell yeah. So nice. I went and did some QA on that game. And then it got to a point where it was like, okay, well, we're done with this game. What are we going to do next? And it's like, let's do a sequel. And it was weird too because what, what right was the game called Crystal? Oh, oh, uh, oh, no, sorry. So Crystal Castles, <laughs> get Crystal Dynamics and Crystal Castles. Maybe. So yeah. work for Crystal Castles, left Crystal Castles, or left Crystal Dynamics. <laughs> Go to work for Franz at Actual Entertainment. Yes. Work on a game called Gubble, which is a spiritual right. successor to Crystal Castles. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Gotcha. And then it's like we could do a sequel. Well, right around the time we're getting ready to kick off the sequel, Franz leaves the company. Eesh. Which was, and he even told me, like, he kind of told me, like, yeah, I kind of regret how that went down. Whatever. I were like, hey, we're we're still running. The studio's still running. We still got to make the game. Let's go. So we make a game, and now I'm I inherit basically the lead design, lead producer hat, <laughs> magic hat. Boom on my oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on my not now bald, but not always bald head. Um, and uh, that so that was my first game where I was like the lead, um, and it was a dream come true in a lot of ways because I got to I kind of got to do whatever I wanted, like. Hey, I've got an idea for an enemy. I've got an idea for this new mechanic. I've got an idea for whatever. And I like I'm working with the sound guy to get the music done. Who's this guy who's off in some Scandinavian country somewhere who I've never met, but he did the music for our other game and he did the sound effects for other games. So he's going to do the sound effects and music for this one. Um, I'm, I'm everywhere, dude. Like I'm, and again, I'm, I'm, I was single. I was married, but I mean, I'm, uh, or almost married, but, I'm like, I've got all the time in the world to focus on this thing. And so this becomes my baby. Right. So Gubble 2, check it out. It's a thing. Um, (laughs) It's all PC games at this point. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, At one time, we got approached by, oh my God, what was even the name of this hard? There was a hardware product that came out um, in that same period that uh, was like a platform that never went anywhere. We never did anything with it. But. But it was just like a wild time, right? PC. And now and now my network is like expanding in a weird way because mm. I'm in a very small studio, but I can talk to anybody. And, you know, GDCs are happening and E3s are happening and people from right. Sega that I know are going all over the place. Um, so it starts yeah. to kind of expand my horizons in, in different ways where if I'd stayed at Sega and been very insular, I don't think I would have had yeah. that, right? I had to grow. I had to do something new and different because I really didn't have a choice. So I was very lucky that Franz, you know, you know, contacted me when he did. Mm. Uh, I worked for Actual for about a year and a half. I, I had this tendency to work at places for about a year and a half. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, actual starts to run out of money. No more Actual. Um, then I end up, uh, Ed Annunziata has started a new studio called And Now. And he's got some games that he's working on that he needs help with. So I go work for him and I'm initially doing, you know, production work. So, and I'm picking up random stuff like, Mm. you know, tiny tank was one of the games, really one of the only games that um, was published by that studio. Uh, Tiny tank needs testing help. Tiny tank needs marketing help. Tiny tank needs localization. Uh, Tiny tank needs to have the master disc burn for the Sony submission. Guess what, Joe, what you doing doing tonight? (laughs) Here, here, fast forward to Joe with the single speed CD burner, single speed, <laughs> single speed, wow, full disc burner, burning master copies of the launch game that has to go to Sony, which is just over the hill, which I have to drive and deliver 
on zero hours of sleep after I've been burning discs <laughs> literally for 24 or about 20 hours. Um, uh, and they're single speed. And they have to verify at single speed, too. And you have to have a certain amount of verifies and a certain amount of not verifies. And I'm sweating bullets, setting <laughs> alarms, trying not to disturb the unit because it's super sensitive. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm doing all sorts of crazy stuff for and now. And then and now starts to to flounder a little bit, unfortunately. Um, you know, they had they had a contract with um GT Interactive, and GT Interactive that time had shut down. Mm. So now they're like, oh, we've got you know, all these agreements we had to do these games have just vanished. What are we gonna do? So I don't want to be a burden to Ed. Um, and I it's probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my career is leave that job. Because I, mm. if 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 anything, and I don't not to pat myself on the back, sort of loyal to a fault in the sense that I'll go down with the ship, but I could maybe afford to go down with the ship more back then than I could now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also was like, I still have a career, and I still have to, you know, I still have to pay bills, and I still have to do things. So I and and I don't want to be a burden. Lee, that was a tough conversation with Ed because I'm like, dude, you're my hero. Like he's my one of my he two heroes in gaming is Franz and Ed. Yeah, I've worked for both, and one left before I could leave. The other one I had to leave, and I was like, dude, Ed, I'm so sorry, but I just can't do this. 3DO offers me a job, so now I go to 3DO, go to 3DO for 18 months. Good old trip, Hawkins. I've dude, I've shut down so many studios. It's ridiculous. <laughs> You've got to be uh, a curse. Haven't you? I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm the Madden curse for. <laughs> these companies um so yeah 3do starts to to you know year and a half there and they start to go down the tubes and oh man. so i'm kind of hop skipping and jumping around the industry well uh at some point um uh right after the c3do was up till about 2001 then i go to digital eclipse and i really thought digital eclipse was going to be a place i stayed for quite a while um and even they had some tur turbulence because at one point in time, they were this very Game Boy focused right, yeah. studio. And then they wanted to transition into platform, uh, proper platform games, uh, GameCube, um, N64. Uh, no, it wasn't N64. It was a GameCube um, with Death Jr. Uh, was, okay, that, yep. was that game that they did. Was that the first foray from the lower tier mm. stuff to this, you know, um, AAA stuff. Mm. And uh, there was some whole thing I, I, I probably shouldn't get into, but there was some, some something that happened there that was weird. Um, I actually ended up getting fired from that job. Right. Uh, I'm still, I'm still, hey, I'm still friends with Mike Micah. Um, you know, we're cool. Everything. It was just a weird scenario. Something very strange happened, and it just whatever it was. I'll just let that be to the to the past. But yeah. I don't work for Digital Eclipse anymore. And I'm kind of like, what do I do? Eric Wahlberg at some point around this period of time contacts me and says, Hey man, I'm at EA. I'm working for Pogo. This place is great. Mm. I hear you. I hear you need a job. Come interview. So I'm like, cool. So I go interview at Pogo. It actually goes really well. I get the job and I'm at EA for seven years. That's the wow. longest, the yeah. longest I've been. And so by seven years to the day. Um, and that's <laughs> the longest I've ever been at any one company. Um, and I, so I worked for Pogo for seven years and I'm happy. Like everything's great. You know, like I'm getting a chance to do these more, you know, I, I, I believe me. I, the only thing I ever thought I wanted to do in life was make a fighting game. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I've got to make a fighting game, <laughs> but you know, fight for life. Does that not count then? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't design that game. No, so that's no, true. It count. Um, I, I had all these crazy ideas I want to try, but, um, 
but I'm, that's not happening. But casual, I could really sink my teeth into this. Um, you know, I'd done a game at that 3DO. It was casual based, a uh, big compilation of games. And so they kind of were like, oh, you, kinda, you might know what, you kinda know what you're doing with card games. And I played, you know, like family get togethers. We would play bingo and we would play this other game called Pokino. The, we're gamers, like just naturally, right? Like my whole family, whether it's video games or, or yeah. other games, it's we're just like that. And um, so I had this kind of insight into casual. I played solitaire. I played, this is not a lot of things that, you know, AAA game developers are necessarily into. And uh, it turns out to be a good fit. So I go to Pogo. I'm real happy. We're making, you know, making solitaires. I'm making bingos. I'm making, you know, all sorts of offshoot bowl. I had a bowling game there. Um, it was great. And then, you know, about seven years into that, Pogo starts to change direction. And there's not, they're not going to design anything new. And all I want to, I'm at this point, I became, I had transitioned from producer to designer. Mm. Well, what does a designer do if there's no games to design? Eesh. Not much. No. So, uh, so, so Pogo ends. I end up at uh, uh, a casino game company because Pogo's done some casino stuff. And IGT seems to think I know what I'm talking about. So I go to IGT for about a year. Um, <laughs> And then I get a phone call from Iwin, who is a Pogo competitor, and CJ has been trying to get somebody to kind of help, you know, really solidify. HTML5 transition is happening at this point, right? Flash is going to die. All these games online are Flash games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. HTML5 is the future. Guess what? I've had some HTML5 experience. Come in and build our, you know, HTML5 game studio up from the ground. So cool. I come in and I do that for two years. Two years goes by, I win's not happening anymore. Hey, Pogo, what's up? <laughs> I go back to Pogo for 18 months. Um, and then I actually ended up in a position where a lot of things happened in my personal life that really uh, changed a lot for me. My mom started having health problems. Right. Thomas started having seizures. Um, it was really rough. And it was too much pressure. Like EA... As a, like Pogo as a unit inside of EA is very unique. Um, they're kind of isolated uh, from a lot of the, they had historically were kind of isolated from the pressures. Right. That. Yeah. But it became a thing where I was like, Hey, Pogo's now got expectations on it. These guys need to make good with this, you know, effort, this new website, and this mm -hmm. new tech. And it was kind mm -hmm. of a lot of like, it felt really stressful. And then on top of that, adding all these personal things, I, God, I broke down. I, I literally had my first nervous breakdown of my oh. life and I, I I couldn't sleep. I, for the first real time as an adult, I had anxiety. Um, it was crushing. And I was like, I cannot, I cannot do this anymore. Um, so it turned out that somebody that I knew uh, sort of uh, independently was um, needing some help. And I was like, okay, I think I could do that. Um, so I started working from home in 2018, way before pandemic right. times. Um, and I've been doing that ever since. So I'm sort of like, I'm technically an independent, um, freelance kind of free. Yeah. I have, I have my own company, um, that I just basically, I don't want to say shell company, but it's my company, but I don't work for me per se. I work for mm. this other group and they, he pays me and that's kind of how that relationship works. Um, so I'm, you know, I don't have like benefits. I don't have, you know, this is all stuff we have to kind of sort out on our own. Um, so I'm effectively an independent contractor, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, uh, so I have basically an independent contractor group company with one client. Um, 
So Just, that's kind of how I roll right now, yeah. but it, yeah, yeah. but, it, but it works. And, you know, it gave me, it really was a, a godsend in a lot of ways in the sense that, you know, I just didn't know how, what, how I was really going to move forward from that. It was mm. the first time in my life where I'd been that uncertain about things, mm. had that much pressure on me. And I, and I have a family, like it's yeah. not just me that I have to take care of anymore. It's, you know, it's him, it's my wife, it's the other kids. Um, I mean, my wife has five kids. Thomas is her fifth and final um you know but you know, there's four other kids and you know they range in age now from you know thomas is nine angela's oldest is 22. wow yeah yeah and you know it's like it's not just about me and it was tough oh, because it was tough because you know leaving ea means hey i i left you know, stock options on the table i left uh you know, benefits on the table but for me it was a survival mechanism really oh, i yeah. i was at a point where i was just like i mean I, you know i must have gotten in three or four car accidents um, just falling asleep at the wheel um it was it was tough dude I, I, i'm sorry I, I apologize if it's kind of weird for me to, no 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 i really appreciate your honesty like this because i mean i don't know you know how, <laughs> aside from you i don't know anybody else who's listening to this but um <laughs> you know it's like it, it you know life has a, a real interesting way of, of uh being life uh, to you at times when you don't need that and uh, I just feel fortunate that I've been surrounded. You know, my my you know family's great. My friends are amazing. Um, I've really had a lot of support. You know, when Thomas first had uh, was first having seizures, you know, Dave Gray comes from out of nowhere. He's like, dude, yeah. I'm going to be at the hospital in five in five minutes. Just, and he couldn't even go back and see him, and he couldn't even stay very long. He's just like, dude, I just I just want you to know I'm here for you. So I mean, I'm just super super fortunate and lucky to have you know the people sure, in my yeah. life that I do. And like I said, dude, I'm just some. I'm just some schmo, man. Like, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I, I, I tell. I tell my, my good friend Katie, who I just saw. I've, I've been friends with her since I was eight years old. So we're going on forty years. I just saw her the other day, and I'm like, you know, I tell her sometimes, like, I don't know what I did to deserve this, but I'm just thankful that you guys are here for me. You know. So well, I I love the honest answer, John. It's it's so you know you. I, really I don't know how to that. not be, dude. Like, no, you, well, you're not, <laughs> no it's pretty, I just. I mean, I didn't. I'm not drinking that. Much. I'm drinking a little bit. I'm not drinking that much. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, you know, it's you're like happy. I, yeah, I'm glad I'm, you're in a better place now. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's it's hard for me. I don't want to be like that. You know, closed book. You know, mysterious mm. dude. Like, mm. you know, especially and a lot of it's age. I think now, especially realizing, like, you know, I'm not to say I'm old. I feel young in the sense that, okay, I'm not 50 yet. Not that 50s, you're yeah. old after 50. I'm just saying, like. I didn't even conceive when I was younger, like, oh, I'm going to be in the industry for 30 years. Yeah, you know, I'm yeah, going to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like I'm, I started at Sega before I was 20. So That's I'll be nice, 30 yeah. years in the industry before I'm 50. Um, and I don't feel that much different than I did then in terms of, you know, I still have things I want to do and I still have passions and I still have, yeah. um, you know, goals, but it's different now. It's tempered. It's not as like, not, freaking out over like i have to do this tomorrow i know i don't have a lot of time necessarily grand scheme to do things i don't have i may not have 30 more years in front of me maybe i do i don't know yet but um but i'm not like i don't feel so much different it's just yeah. um you know it's just like experience means a lot and when you're young and you're inexperienced and you do stupid things <laughs> uh you know it's like I, I i can i can kind of avoid some of those not to say i don't do stupid things believe me 
but you can avoid some of those landmines. Um, yeah. You know, there's a whole untold story about the the whole thing with me and Mike. Um, you know, at, at uh, Eternal Champions thing that uh, I'll I'll have to get it to you with another time. But it's like, you know, it's like uh, you. I try to at least you know learn what I can from from these moments. You know, and yeah, the big the big things that happen in your life. I yeah, stepped. I oh, it. I stepped in it that. Let me not step in it like that again. You know, like. Um, yeah. But, uh, but, you know, but I, I just consider myself really lucky, man. Like, uh, like I said, fortunate you, to yeah. be fortunate to be in the position I'm in, um, to know, you know, know the people I know. Um, and, and just, it just, I, I, I what I want to do with it is more now is like, you know, share these things, right? Like the whole Twitter thing, right? It's like, yeah, yeah I don't, yeah. I don't know how really interesting this stuff is, but man, I find it <laughs> fascinating and I want to share it because maybe somebody else will find it fascinating too. What's so, Joe? Would you want to tell? Because I, I follow you now, but I didn't. Um, it took me a little while to find it, so I love to like you share the handle exactly. Just want to explain yeah. what it is. So on Twitter, and I'm I'm kind of debating. I don't know if Twitter's really the best format for it. Maybe Instagram is. I don't know. But on Twitter, um, I started a new account that's called um, at uh, Joe's Rare Wares. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is kind of a funny. Dave was like, "Why did you use Wares?" I'm like, "I don't mean it like that." Because Wares was like. <laughs> you know, code back in the day for pirating games. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but w by wares, I mean, just stuff, right. Yeah, Rare yeah, yeah. stuff. And mostly it's games. Um, but I have a ton of just esoteric. I'm a very esoteric person um, with a lot of weird stuff. And it's kind of just like whatever, again, it's like shiny thing. Oh, that that's fascinating to me. Like I just bought, and I'm, I'm not even kidding. I just bought, uh, online, uh, somebody had a uh, uh, prototype Game Gear board. Not nice. the system, but a soccer game. <laughs> prototype soccer game for Game Gear. And I'm like, That's I have nice. to own this. So, and uh, like a rental unit. Uh, it's also like a rental unit uh, Mega Drive. Oh, how cool is that? I'm like, that, what is that? I've never seen i got to buy that. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, literally, squirrel, you know, like, just grab it. So, um, but for me, it's like, I've, and I've had a lot of this stuff for years, right? Mm. Um, one thing I want to share with you, actually, um, if I, oh, here it is. Okay, so this came off, and I haven't sent this one up yet, so this will be a preview. This came off of the, at Sega, we used to have, um, they had meeting rooms. And at one right. point in time, some of the meeting rooms became testing rooms because we had too many people for the space that we had. Mm. This little guy came off of the, uh, uh, this was the name of the meeting room. Oh, wow. This was the little, and it's like, you know, it's, it's not paper. This is, um, it says like, un, for our listeners says, on the podcast, yeah, yeah, under, under the, the sea, sea. Yeah. which is from little mermaid. So at yeah. the time Sega was doing little mermaid stuff. This is an actual, like, you know, it's, it's etched. It's etched. It's not written. It's not scratched. It's etched. Like somebody actually went to a printer and made this thing. And this was from the door of the, the, the identify it. identify the, they yanked it well we were leaving that building we were leaving that building and i'm like i want that whoop grab it oh it's so, so cool. um but uh stuff like that you know and i have like I, I didn't bring it with me i should have um i have my uh lanyard from when i went to the rock the rock um promotion uh with mtv um i have the uh the sega the sonic and knuckles dog tag from that um, cool. I have a I have a Sonic. It's like kind of a cheapy little plastic watch, but I have a Sonic and Knuckles watch, um, which I haven't posted yet. Yeah. Dude, I've got so much stuff, and it's like it's some stuff. It was sort of like 
I didn't really necessarily know at any point in time that somebody else would look at this and think, Oh, that's valuable or cool or whatever. It's my history, dude. Like that's like, I I really wanted to preserve uh, for me Mm. uh, this stuff. But now that I'm seeing that so many people are really like, like love this stuff. Right. Like, and and I it's, again, it's like I feel bad in some ways saying like oh Atari will never be what Atari was Sega will never be what Sega was. I know why people want it to be that way, and I I appreciate their passion for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My piece of history that I can share with people is this is the part that I got to see, right? This is what I was exposed sure. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think people appreciate. It's it's so funny. I'll talk to people like oh my god, that's so cool, or that's so awesome. You got to be a part of that. I'm like yeah, yeah. it was. And I'm not looking for a pat on the back. I'm more. I'm jazzed to see their reaction to it. Yeah, right? I'm jazzed uh, to see people get excited about like, oh my god, I've never seen that before. Um, you know, recently I bought all these uh, Genesis games that were sealed, and it was like a weird thing where this guy was, you know, posting stuff on Facebook Marketplace. It was like some other stuff that he was posting, some some games that weren't sealed, and I was like, oh, these are great. He's like, hey, uh, are you interested in anything else? I have more stuff. I'm like, what do you have? sends me the list and i'm like holy shit i've said tell the please joe oh some wait, of these wait, games okay wait wait wait, wait, wait. i got them because there's some extremely rare games I like, got that you posted. okay hold on so here's lance stalker i just had this graded that that is sealed yeah it's sealed and it only has really one flaw that i could see in the wrap you can kind of see it by the one player Mad. It's got a little tear. Uh, yep. This, this, I picked this up. Um, I got. Uh, let's see. Oh, this, this is the crown jewel, by the way, which I didn't even know at the time. How about a sealed uh, Ghouls and Ghosts that for Genesis? Is, that's amazing. <laughs> which got a very, very nice grade. Not as, not as awesome as I was hoping, but still very nice. Nine point um, six. So yeah, you you get them sent away, don't you? And they sort of. Uh, I yes, this was a whole process, man. It was really. And I, I was very fortunate. There was a guy who uh, is a is like a real um, expert who happens to live very close to me, who I went to and showed this stuff to. And he was like, he wasn't like, oh, let me buy this from you. He was like, oh, wow, man, this is really cool. This like, you, good should, draw, you yeah. should do this, this, and this with it. I'm like, great, thank you. So he set, he sort of sent me on my way with grading. And um, uh, I have another box here that's all the stuff that I haven't had graded yet. Uh, in, in, in amongst this box are some real nice, yeah. Look at that proper Genesis How can classics, I... yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you probably tested some of these games, didn't you? I do, I did, and that's, that's why, and that's actually why it's hard to get let some of these go, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I test, I was the lead tester on Sonic Spinball, yep. Uh, I tested, um, you know, Little Mermaid. There's, yeah, see, yeah. here, I'm gonna pair this up, Little Mermaid. Under the sea. Under the sea. There you go. There's Under a the connection sea. there. <laughs> so, um, you know, and and it's like, yeah. So some of this stuff is going to be hard to let go of, but um, I'm excited by the fact that, like, I can you not, you know, sort of like. There's this one guy who really the wants the Landstalker. He really wants the Landstalker. Like he's so excited about the Landstalker, he's going to trade me his lesser graded Landstalker and give me money to buy my landstalker because he tempted then oh absolutely yeah of course <laughs> but i mean but it, but i also don't want it to be like this whole thing where it's just like about profit right like no, no. so so this this kid who sold me this stuff uh his uncle collected it and his uncle unexpectedly passed away he has an estate with a whole bunch of other stuff at coins and the house and whatever other you know fine 
furnishings he had. Yeah. And his mom, I guess this guy's mom, who was this guy's sister, um, uh, uh, the, the guy I was talking to, his mom, who was this man's collector's sister, was like, oh, what's this stuff? Just, you know, whatever. And the kid was like, I think this might be worth something. Mm. And we're both kind of coming at it completely stupid, right? Like, I have no real idea what this stuff is worth and yeah, he doesn't yeah, yeah. either and so we come up with a deal and i take the stuff and i start looking at it and i'm like i think there's something here you know um and so i take it to alan he looks at it yeah he says wow man you've really got some amazing stuff here you really should and you know the, the i know there's a lot of controversy with the grading i wasn't intending to use wada originally i wanted to use vga i'd heard about all this stuff and i, I couldn't even create like I don't mean to disparage any, I couldn't create an account on VGA. I couldn't even like their website was so busted. I couldn't even mm-hmm. make, so how am I going to send them anything? I can't Wada, It's like, Hey, what system do you have? What game is it? What, how do you want to do this? Okay. Pay us money and send it to us and we'll do it. Okay, great. That's easy. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, so I did that. Um, and I may do more later. We'll see. But, um, but I just wanted to kind of get my, my feet wet and understand how this works and, you know, ghouls and ghosts, you know, for what it is, I mean, quite frankly it's it's worth way, especially great and worth way the hell more than i paid for it so it's 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 fascinating and and I, and the part of it to me that's really cool is like i know i know people who have stuff like this yeah and i'm not you, and i'm yeah. not and i'm not trying to be a vulture i don't want to come in but like what makes me sad like viscerally sad is knowing that like michael latham passed away and almost all of his stuff is just going to vanish like it's just going to disappear oh into yeah. the ether right he had crazy stuff my friend keith uh Higashihara, who uh we found out at a like there was a sega reunion in 2019 and like maybe a few months before that he had passed away oh. and all he had oh, adrian i'm not even kidding dude he had everything i'm not saying necessarily sealed but he just had like he was like collecting atari 2600 stuff back in the yahoo groups days from like early yeah, 2000s yeah, yeah, yeah. he had everything and somebody you know his mom and you know in her grief i understand like you don't know what this stuff is, but you know, somebody please come and take this all away. Yeah. And it's like, dude, his entire, like all this effort and energy he put into collecting this stuff. I don't want it for me, but somebody should, somebody who could yeah. really appreciate it. You want like, to look a, after it. A museum, like send it off to, you know, video game history museum, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, museum or the history foundation or whatever. Right. But don't just, or, or keep it for your family at least. Like yeah, properly. Ex- exactly. You know. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to get rid of all that. I mean, some of this stuff I'm definitely keeping yeah. like, um, you know, I mean, I live in, believe me, I live in California. It's expensive. I have bills to pay. So, so I will probably <laughs> sell some of it, yeah. but I mean, but I want to do right also by those people. Right. I don't want, I already offer. I was like, Hey man, I'm going to get some of this stuff graded. Do you, would you want one of them? Like maybe I could, you know, you have some other stuff left over. I could give you one of these really cool graded games, uh, you know, and then you can frame that and be like, show your mom, like, Hey man, mm this guy's efforts were really like amazing actually. Um, Cause I think that's the sad thing too, is sometimes people look at it. It's like, they just look at it like it's junk yeah. and it's, yeah. and it's really not, it's really not. It's, junk. it's like when you're in that Jaguar warehouse, the Toro warehouse. That, oh my God. That was junk back then, wasn't it? And it was to me and I'm an idiot and I'm an idiot, <laughs> but it was, but it, like, but it was the, again, prison, we're prisoners in the moment, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. if any, if we, if anybody really had the foresight I mean, a lot of the guys that do this stuff, they, it's passion for them, right? They love uh, this stuff. Yeah. They've been doing it for 20, 30 years, and they didn't care if it was worth any money. They wanted that thing because it meant it was 
it's why it's it's funny. So Dave Gray and I have this sort of existential argument of uh, uh, um, emulation versus the real thing. original. Yeah, yeah. And he's hardcore on emulation, dude. That guy's dude, Dave Gray is literally the hardest working. Aside from my brother, Dave Gray is the hardest working human being I've ever met in my life. <laughs> that guy is so dedicated to what he does. And you know, Dave, I hope you're listening, Dave. I love you, dude. You're like you're like my other brother. Um, that guy is amazing, and he has curated literally thousands of ROMs for his you know main project. And I'm not even talking about like just get he te- he's played every single one of them. He's gotten the art wow. for every single one of them. He he's he's a he is a mad genius of some level, <laughs> um, and he's so dedicated to it. And it's but it's it, it's largely for him and you know for his friends. But I mean, he is super dedicated to that. But to me, it's like it's cool that he has it, and I like the idea that hey, mm-hmm. I could go pick up this pie project tomorrow. What game do I want to play? It's there, right? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah, check yeah. it out. Yeah. But the but the but the visceral object, the the, the physical yeah. thing, I have no space in my garage because I collect arcade games. So and, cool, and yeah. I'm talking about the full the yeah, the full nah, size. I have cool. I have a gauntlet like right now in my garage, I have a gauntlet, I have a pole position, nice. I have I have a pinball machine. My favorite p- 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 pinball machine is Paragon, which I don't know if anybody knows, but I have that in my garage. My wife's favorite uh, game uh, growing up was a game called Crossbow. We have that in the garage. I have a Tempest. I have nice. a bunch of. I have a bunch of uh, cocktail. <laughs> I have so much stuff. I had to get a storage unit because I can't keep it all yeah, in my yeah, garage yeah. and still be able to park the cars. But like, to me, when I see those things and when I touch those things, that's the thing that triggers the nostalgia for me. Not yeah. so much. I mean, yes, yeah. playing the game does. Yeah. But like, I can remember physically. Like, so, so when I was a kid, there was an arcade near my house and I used to go play and they had a Mr. Do machine or Mr. Doe. I don't know what people say, but Mr. Do to me. And uh, it's a really fun game. And I was a broke kid who got barely got some quarters every so often, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. One day I'm sitting there on a board and I had a penny in my hand. And I'm like, I wonder if there's some way I could get a credit with this penny. So I'm throwing the penny at it. And I spin the penny a certain way and into the slot, and I get a credit. Nice. And I'm like, <laughs> you what's up? So, so now I'm like focused on getting pennies. Nice, yeah. To the point where one day I go to the counter at the pizza restaurant where this machine is, and I say, "Can I get 25 pennies for this quarter, please?" And they're like, "It's you." <laughs> busted. I busted myself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, yeah so then i go to the grocery store down the down the street and they're like oh you're that kid they told us not to give pennies to <laughs> damn it so yeah I, I i wrecked myself on that one but oh, i mean but man. that was my dude i so that if i ever got a mr do cocktail machine dude that would be like the first thing that'd be in my head was like yeah, oh put the pennies in. but those experiences and those things <laughs> that give you those experiences like those are the most valuable things to me so when franz offered to sell me his, you know, Xevious field test unit. So the, the unit that Atari used in arcades to make sure that people would like love this game and want to play it yeah, and yeah. check and see how much money it made. He's like, Hey, I'll sell this to you. I'm like, name your price, dude. Like, what do you nice. want? Same thing with his crystal castles, which I almost bought until his wife said, no, you can't sell that. 
Um, but he, <laughs> but, but he's like, dude, I was like, I'm not going to sell to anybody else. He said, and if it comes, push comes to shove, I'll will it to you. I said, thank you very much. Um, but that machine means a ton to me because I yeah. mean, um, I remember that experience in the arcade, seeing this glowing trackball and this game that played this yeah, cool yeah, music yeah. and it was isometric and, and I have an opportunity to own the thing that was the thing before it was the thing. Like, and I worked with the guy and it's like, dude, I can't, <laughs> I can't even believe my good fortune sometimes. It's like, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. amazing that I've been able to, you know, make these connections and be in these places and have the opportunity to have these things. And I don't mean to be, um, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, material about it. Right. I don't mean to be like greedy and like, Oh, this is my thing. But it's like, it, it is precious to me in the sense of like, it's this piece of history. It's this thing that like I can say doesn't exist anywhere else. Right. This is unique. And this cool, is cool yeah. and special. Yeah, and, is I, cool. and I want to share it. I don't want to mm. be like the guy who's like, Oh, it's mine. And you know, lock it up. Yeah. Yeah. Be jealous of me. Or, you know, it's like, I just, it's like, I, I want other people to, who, who love it to geek out about it. Right. Like my whole thing, like, and dude, I believe you, I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest geek in every sense of geek you can, imagine in terms of in terms of i was a nerd before being a nerd was cool right like in school <laughs> like computers were like oh you're a nerd and the, the whole time i'm like dude in, in 20 years you're gonna come talking to me about computers and sure as shit here we are but i mean dude i'm like you know Dan, 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 we play air hockey at like the most professional level you can play it at not that we make money from it but from the fact that we take it as a sport and we're you, serious you, about it yeah we, you, we practice we geek out we study film like it's a it's yeah. a it's not just a thing that's like, oh, we just whap it back and forth real hard. Like we take it seriously, and like that level of of thing for me. It's it, but it, but it again, it's all about that passion for that thing, right? Mm. There's yeah, there's no living to be made playing air hockey. But you know, I would I would take trips to Vegas. I'd take time off work, take trips to Vegas. You know, pay for you know hotel lodging, f- travel, everything, just to go play in that tournament for three days and be with my you know sort of second family there, right? Or third family. Because, you know, I've got my I've got my friends and family personal. I've got my Sega and my other folks. And then there's this air hockey thing, which is again, it's just like another extended yeah, yeah. part of our 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 unit uh, that we, we we all share this passion, right? And it's and I look at it the same way for this, right? Like somehow or another through the you know mystical forces that be you made contacts with people you made contacts with you made yeah, contacts yeah, with yeah. people i know and now we're connected and it's like funny, we, and we share this passion for this thing right that all these other people who are listening share too and i i i i i, I look at it as almost a duty right to yeah, yeah. Uh, to 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 show these things to people that may not even know exist mm. and it's like wow this is so cool right like um you know as as much as it's I'd love to see it succeed too, like like with air hockey, right? There's ES, it's gonna be on ESPN. Cool, oh, great. Nice. Maybe people will see it, and I, hopefully they all do, and they all want to play and love it, right? Same thing with this game stuff. Hopefully people see things they had never seen before, and they're like, "Wow!" I'm, and yeah. it motivates somebody to do something that you know they might not do otherwise. Um, you know, one of the guys in um, in test, we had this. Um, it was this uh, piece of hardware which I'm looking for. If anybody knows where to find a Sega Genesis address checker, look me up. I want one. Um, but Brian Dawson. Who was a former tester? Um, he uh, he got to test on an address checker, and it got his mind working a certain way to where he was like, "How does this stuff work underneath the hood?" And he basically built his whole career 
on becoming like a, 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 a engineering focus wow. based on his exposure to that one thing. That's crazy. Right. It? So it's like, you, you just never know what connections are going to be made. And I just, I guess I just want to be the, you know, a, a source of a source of information, a source of interesting things. Cause maybe somebody somewhere will see something and be like, yeah, I got contacted on Reddit by some person who was like, Oh man, I used to play Gubble all the time. I really love that game. I just wanted to, you know, send you some good vibes. You know, thanks for all the, oh, for nice. the, the cool memories from when I was a kid. I was like, dude, awesome. And then like, <laughs> I responded, never said anything back. I was like, I want to know more, but you know, it's, it's, you just like, you put stuff out there. You just never know. Um, yeah. Where it can who, go, who it's yeah. going to touch or, or, or how it's going to um, impact somebody. So I just, I, that's why I started the, the Twitter thing, right? It's like, I don't know who's going to see this, but you know, sometimes I'll put something out and maybe it's that thing that somebody's been looking for or, or they didn't know that existed or whatever. It's like the MC Hammer story. I wasn't going to ask you that question <laughs> until I saw your tweet about it. So I thought, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, and that was a fantastic moment, dude. I, like I actually, I actually, funny thing was I actually tweeted to him about it. He's like, I was like, do you remember this thing? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, Oh, and then of course he's got 8 million other people to talk to. So Never did he actually reply to you then? MC he Hammer. did, yeah, he oh, actually wow. did, yeah, yeah. Well, that remember that. So there was that whole story about Hammer and the the bet. <laughs> yeah. uh, the thing, Eric, I, Eric, I love you, and I'm not trying to not trying to drag them. There was a little bit of an inaccuracy in that story, so it was like, I, I you know, I always want to set the record straight, and I've tried, I actually tried, I actually went to Ed and said, Ed, talk to Tom Kalinsky about this and try to verify the story, and he couldn't quite get it right, couldn't quite verify what I remembered about it, but as I recalled it, there was a bet that was made. Hammer won some money off of shutting Keith out, and uh, that was uh, that was a big, big deal because when Keith came back to us, he was like his tail between his legs. He's like, "Dude, Hammer killed me." <laughs> he was he was doing pass. Hammer figured out. Well, apparently, Hammer played this game all the time. That was right, the one, yeah, yeah, and yeah. apparently, he figured out how to commit uh, pass interference without getting a penalty for it. <laughs> so Keith was like, Keith was like, "Dude, he was just interfering with him all the time," and then he was trying to score, and Hammer like blocked his field goal. So Keith couldn't even score a point, and that was the bet. Was was he, he was going to shut him out in the second half? Yeah, and he ended up doing it. And he was like, "Yeah, I was trying to kick a field goal just to see if I could score a point. He blocked my field goal." I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's funny because I heard Ed's podcast with you too, and you know, talking about these, you know, these celebrities that know this stuff. Man, they played these things. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. It's it's, a, it's an interesting. Um, it's 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 like the overlap of these worlds, right. Where you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that these people would, would care about this stuff or be interested, but you know, like video games are a, a, a really unique and interesting language all of its own that yeah. nobody, there really isn't um, duplicated anywhere. Yeah. Um, the, the interactive thing about it. And, and it's, it's cool how it touches different people and to, you know, to, to hear that, you know, I'm glad you guys. I'm like, I didn't know Ed ever met with Michael Jackson until I listened to that podcast. That was fantastic. Yeah, he was Ed. So. Ed was a, he was a great oh, guest. Actually, he's, he's he's great. He's they're all he's great, a, dude. He's a friend of yours, isn't he? Said, Absolutely, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all great, and the, you know, I'm, I'm I feel fortunate, you know, again to to have these people had them in my life and still have them in my life, right? Still have well, to be. You know, Joe, mate, the, the games that you worked on, and Ed and Mike, you know, I played as a kid, so it's bizarre for me to talk to talk to you. And I'm, I'm I, I yeah, you know, sometimes. Well, and, and we were we were young, dude. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, Ed's maybe not quite ten years older than me, or about. Um, so yeah, I mean, these guys were all in like their late twenties, early thirties when they were doing this stuff. Oh, so nice. I think it's great. I think it's great that, and and what's really been interesting to me 
in this whole like uh, um, gaming thing, you know, the, finding finding these old classic games that are sealed. The people that are like into this stuff, they're young. Some of them are really young. Yeah, There's like twenty somethings yeah. in there, mm -hmm. so they're appreciating, you know, these things that were built before they were even born. It's true. Yeah. Right. And that's that's great, isn't it? Is oh, great. absolutely. I mean, like, I, so I was born in '73, so you know, I didn't miss too much of the interact, and you know, so stuff from that era it actually is absolutely interesting to me. But it wasn't so far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From when I was born, that it was like super foreign, right? Like I was playing Pong clones and stuff when I was, you know, mm. seven, eight years old. I was, you know, standing on milk carts, milk cr <laughs> crates, and playing pinball when I was three or four. <laughs> So, I mean, I've been around this stuff forever, but it's cool to see people who this whole thing passed them up and the, the world is very modern and, and in a lot of ways, much better, right? All these experiences they can play on their PC on high def screens and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Fantastic. But they have this appreciation for this art that happened and it was art. I mean, it really was art. I, I don't know if you've seen those like comparisons where they show the, what the, what a game looks like when it's on like the, the super highest fidelity, like, uh, um, uh, uh, scaler so that it looks great for yeah. HD TVs yeah, versus yeah. what it looks like on a CRT yeah. where they were expecting things to blur yeah. and that's how they were getting things to look a certain way like that is amazing to me and they they yeah. didn't it didn't happen on accident people had to learn yeah. how to do that that was a technique right so people have right. appreciation for that that to me is awesome right and they know that like um, you know a lot of these games they were built in assembler Right, they weren't built Crazy. with, you know, hey, here's Unity, hey, here's you know, it's a whatever different world, yeah. engine, right? It was like it was like <laughs> literally bits built bit by bit, and these well, guys were crafting technique at the moment they were doing it. It was really amazing. I just remember when when we had Bill Raybuck on the podcast, he was talking mm -hmm. about is it John McCormack was it um, the 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 guy that made Doom? Um, no, um, oh, uh, 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 oh, what's his name? Um, no, you're right, uh, Carmack. Carmack, I mean, he yeah. just hearing Bill's story about how he got Doom working on the Jaguar, and it was a, it's just just almost an impossible mission, but he did it somehow. It's just if, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you there's a really so there was a series, and I think you can get to these now. Um, uh, GDC had uh, these talks like post mortems of classic games. Mm. Listen to David Crane's talk about Pitfall. Yeah, I know it's dude. Thing. They they were squeezing. They're squeezing bits out of every like he's like oh if you look at the trees it's actually pitfall harry's legs turned upside down or the branches <laughs> like yeah dude, these guys were co like cobbling Legends. things together and like oh i had to write this thing so it hit the v blank just so and i'm like what the fuck is a v blank like i don't <laughs> but it's wild dude it's like these guys were like literally yeah. artists like they were really doing some amazing things and you yeah. know as as much as i would give trip bullshit you know or shit for what he did with 3DO, like what he did with EA was amazing, right? Like his I, this idea of these, you know, people as artists, right? Yeah. Trying to give them equal billing to like, um, you know, engineers giving equal billing to uh, recording artists, right? Like in a lot of ways, it was it was like that. There were style, there were styles. There were people that had, you know, hey, this is the kind of thing I'm going to make, and they had very intentful mm. um, purpose behind what they were doing, you know, like. Uh, it's it's crazy, you know. When I used to work at that building, they actually had a wall up of all the original games that were done, and Respect. you know Respect. stories about that stuff. And it was like, man, it's like that's. I appreciated the fact. I mean, you can say what you want about EA, right, and their business practices and whatever, but they actually do have an appreciation for their past. And I, 
That's cool. I love that. Like I love being able to go to the hallway where they had all these like yeah, you know, just admire uh, the games. You know, in That's behind great. plexiglass, preserved forever. This was our history, right? Like that to me is super cool. Did you work with Trip at all closely or not really? Or no, I, I mean when I so I, obviously EA was past that was past his time when I was oh, at three yeah, D when so. I was at three D O he was still there. I mean he I think he was at three D O till the end. Um, I only heard stories really, um, and you know it's tough because then you know then he went on to Digital Chocolate, which was you know, the early early mobile stuff, and my friend Dermot, who was another QA guy, worked for him there. Um, it was sort of a continuation of like I just sort of felt more like. I felt bad for him in a sense that it sort of seemed like he was sort of chasing that brass ring. He really wanted to kind of get back to what he had captured with EA. Yeah. And and in some respects, EA succeeded in spite of, of his, like, I think he had a vision to a certain point. And then EA was like, Oh, we can do this with that. And he sort of got supplanted. I don't think he, they, I don't think they needed him to mm. continue to build EA into what it is today. Um, but that seed was planted. And he's a, I think he's a big ideas guy. I think he's like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Well, that, I spoke that. to him in the past. Yeah, he's a, he's he's very kind of philosophical and right, right, quite a deep man, really. Yeah, yeah. And and, I, and I, I don't think that he's wrong in a lot of ways. But I think the way he went about certain things, you know, like I was, I'm at 3DO when Army Men is happening. Yes. And I don't understand why there's another Army Men game coming out. You know, it's like <laughs> we've we've done this. Uh, can we do something else? But. But that's not, you know, but I'm, I'm looking at that from a creative standpoint. He's looking at it from a business standpoint. Sure. And those things don't always meet up, you know. It's like, yeah, as true. much as as much as much I want to be this purist, I understand, you know, Dave Gray, I think, talked about this too, where like Michael Latham was saying, we're here to make money. Yes, right? We, we I think we're here to make people happy. Mm-hmm. And if we can make some money while we're doing it, then that's also awesome. But if you don't make people happy, you can make all the money you want. They're going to walk away. Yeah, they're not going to come. Aren't going to make any more money after that. So you better not alienate them if you can. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like what you know what 3D was doing a lot of cases was okay. We've made more of this thing, but is this really what people want? Um, you know, like I, I just sort of felt like it was it was a one trick pony that kind of got ridden too much, mm-hmm. and I think it proved out in the end that that was not going to be successful. But you know, I could I could well have been wrong. I never thought cell phone cameras were going to be a thing, and here we are. So yes, man. <laughs> I was like, why do you need a camera on your cell phone? Just get a camera. And then I'm like, <laughs> fast forward to like you know eight million videos of things happening right when they happen. That's right, you know, yeah, dummy. <laughs> like, of course, that's why. So. <laughs> oh, Jay, look, we we spoke for about two hours now. I think this might be. Oh man, I can, wrap hey, you know what? Listen, Adrian, if you had to tap out, bro, then you tap out. <laughs> I know it's late for you. I know it's late for you. But thank you so much, though, Joe. You've been no, such dude. a great guest. Anytime. So hey, fun. listen, if there's anything, and, and I'm I'm happy to, you know, continue mm. on with anything you want to talk about. Um, you know, I like I said, I, I feel really lucky, and I'm I'm happy to share my experience. It, it what what's fun for me is when people when I hear people say. Oh man, that was really cool. Like I didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, or that yeah, was yeah. a cool thing. Like I want to be more of a source for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I did this thing. It was really cool. I was very lucky. Um, and I just know that there's people that appreciate that those stories, right? And to be able to, so it's a, it, it's an honor for me uh, and a privilege to be able to share that stuff. And I really I really hope you. people enjoy it. 
Um, you know, I, you get, I gotta tell you, get to know me long enough. I'll start to irritate you, but, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I, I hope there's some value in this and, and, you know, people really get a chance to, um, well, I th- no, I think that to, you, know, I think to, you spoke to, really to, well, to John. Cool, I think, you know? yeah, you give some great stories and, and I really appreciate your honesty as well. Um, and, the final, the final and, question. And, and my inability to uh, censor myself. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Um, uh, my final question we ask all our guests is uh, quite a tough one, actually. But if you could share a few drinks. Yes, it is. A any tough one. video game character. Yeah. Who would you choose and why? Okay. So I remember my answer for this from the other I podcast. Before, yeah. Yeah. It was Gordon Freeman. I was thinking about it again. And yeah. it's a tough one because I'm trying to think of like, who, what's a, so I was like, at first I was like, let me give him some kind of weird answer, like a Tetris piece. I want to have a drink with a Tetris piece. <laughs> could you imagine? Um, but but I, what I got to thinking about more was I was really th- starting to think of like what was my earliest experience with a game that had a narrative, and that was Bard's Tale. Mm. So I and I thought I thought there was like an original sort of Bard character from the Bard's Tale. Now I may have been getting this mixed up because I was doing a little looking, and I guess there's a similar sort of apparently even the town is the same name in Ultima. Right, as okay. it is in Bard's Tale, and apparently because they were working with the same consultant. Interesting. But, um, so I suppose in my mind there is a Bard character from Bard's Tale, uh, or any one of the characters that I used to play with on that I created and played yeah, yeah. that game with. Uh, it would be cool to have a discussion to actually sit down and have a drink with a character who does drink for a living and tell stories for a living. A bard from the Bard's Tale. Do you know what? You would have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? You would have a, you, that would be a good night, wouldn't it? It uh, would be, yeah. Uh, yeah. Al- al- my alternate answer, by the way, was I was thinking about video games in in the general. Not and there is a somebody did make a rec- a, re- a Fix It Felix game, like an actual arcade Fix It Felix game. From I would love to. Ralph, yeah. I, I I get called Wreck It Ralph sometimes. So <laughs> I, uh, although the Zangief. Who was my favorite Street Fighter character? The Zangief from the Wreck It Ralph universe. Yes, that yes, might yes, be yes. that might be a great guy to get a drink with. Oh man, Joe, hey, I... that bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Bad guy. yeah. Oh Zangief, bless you. Well, I almost you. I, I almost had the strip on my head. Kept that. I could kind of pass for him, maybe. Yeah. No. I mean, he's. <laughs> I, I won't. I I will do you the favor of not showing you my chest hair right now. <laughs> But I got a rep. I got a rep Bay Area. For Oops. our viewers, yes. explain the T-shirt because it's a bit. Okay, hold on. <laughs> right. Okay, glue. I need glue. Okay, this is hum- Humphrey Hambone and Charlie Horse. <laughs> so from Bay Area Television in the early eight, uh, late 70s, early 80s, this was like a, uh, a set of characters that was uh, like a – they had their own show, but then they were also like doing these um, – uh, like public service announcement type things, you know, like don't be a bully or, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. ask before you borrow something because otherwise it's like stealing. And so it was like life lessons, right? From these two characters. Um, <laughs> and I know not too many people have this shirt. So, in, so, so in the, in the spirit of Joe's rare stuff, this is yeah. my rare stuff shirt of uh, Humphrey and Charlie and they're Bay Area legends. Yeah. The, the word that you've used, uh, which I love. By the way, the word legend to me, when you say that, it carries so much weight. I'm like, dude, I don't deserve that. But these guys, <laughs> these guys are legends. These guys are. Like, I'm enough. just a dude. These are legends. <laughs> Joe. 
<laughs> oh, you're a gentleman. Well, we'll leave it there. And, I appreciate um, you, Adrian. Thank you so oh, much, you're man. A gentleman. It's been it's been it's been a pleasure. Oh, it's been really fun. Anytime you need me, man, give me a call. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. You can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcadeattackuk. Check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots more retro gaming goodness and to delve into our archives. Our podcasts are also available on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review and a rating, we'd really appreciate it. If you'd like to support Arcade Attack, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash arcadeattack which will give you access to exclusive podcasts, interviews and other bonus content. So, until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.